Today on Coco Disaster, take my wife, please. I'm Chorp Soy, and today I have two very special guests. I'm the Great Thief, Jay the Third. <laughs> and I'm Hobotron, hello. I'm not so great, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a thief. The perfectly but I'm, average I'm, thief, I'm bad at Hobo. It. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, so <laughs> I'm doing my Don't best. worry, okay. Chorps, I've already stolen the hearts of all the listeners. Well, thank God, because today we're talking about Lupin the Third, Part Four, the revival, I guess, of uh, Lupin the Third. Diamonds are unbreakable. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. Yes. <laughs> Can you believe Lupin got that stand in this part? Wild. I mean, like, <laughs> it's a good thing they're unbreakable because of all that wacky hijinks he went through to steal them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> But yeah, this is the first proper Lupin series in 30 years. It's been a long time without, like, a proper Lupin series. Yeah, it's it's mostly just been movies and stuff. Yeah, it's been movies, and there was the there's the spinoff um, about Fujiko Mine, which is sort of like this reimagining, retelling of sort of the, the formation of the Lupin crew, which has become more movies. But yeah, Lupin's definitely, like become more of a movie presence this is the first time in a while that he's sort of gotten the tv treatment Mm -hmm. he met uh detective conan he uh (laughs) he he met detective conan twice really i only saw the first one i'm pretty sure he did twice detective conan's still like oh i i still solved the mystery of you being lupon the third and lupon's like shouldn't you be an adult by now Oh, sorry for stealing the show. You're going to jail, buddy. So, um, I didn't have a ton of experience with Lupin going into this. I sort of, like, knew about him. I'd seen sort of, like, the, you know, like, the one-off episode every so often. But I never really Mm -hmm. got to experience sort of, like, the Lupin, like, franchise until now. Um, what what about you guys? I I had seen a few of the movies, most notably... Um, Castle of Cagliostro. Right. That one's pretty big. I I had also seen one about Lupin being in a submarine or something. But (laughs) I I had a friend who was really into Lupin, so he'd, like, talk to me about it. And I was like, man, that anime sounds cool. Too bad it's, like, the early 2000s and there's no way for me to watch anime. (laughs) Right, I can't, I can't just, like, kazaa it. Yeah. No, I, um, it's kind of funny because it's like now, you know, for years I haven't been much of, of an anime fan, but when I did watch it, one of the few ones I was really into was Lupin. 
Um, but like, I, I only, I, I haven't seen it in years, so like, trying to compare this series to the old stuff is kind of tough. Like, I, I can go in off of vague memories, but I'm like, oh, I don't remember if they covered that. Uh. <laughs> sure. But, but there was a point where I was really into it, but that was, like, a good 10, 15 years ago, so. Like, did you do, like, all of the TV stuff? Did you do the movies? Like... Um, mostly, mostly, like, the series. Mostly just basically what was on, like, Toonami and stuff. Oh, so, like, part two, like, the big one. The one that was, like, a hundred-something episode. Yeah, that one, yeah. All right, cool. Oh, does it count that I really wanted to play the Lupin, <laughs> the third, um, light gun shooter? <laughs> Yes, that uh, that counts. So, uh, one thing about the Lupin the Shooting, um, just real quick here. <laughs> Is that the name? Yeah, it's called Lupin the Shooting, uh, and yeah. there's a version of it where you type, and it's called Lupin the Typing. Um, <laughs> so, like, player one's Lupin, of course. Player two's Jigen, and I feel like player two's got a real advantage there. Right, if you're shooting, clearly Jigen's gonna be the best one, like... Yeah, it's kind of his thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right now I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for this one um, Lupin game. It's a DS game, a Japanese game, and the translation of the title is Lupin the Third, the greatest brain battle in history. And that's kind of <laughs> oh, awesome. Right, that's like I, I want to play that. That's, that one's kind of like a Professor Layton-style game, almost. <laughs> it looks like it, yeah. It's but, like, also, like, there's a part where you, like, it's like a side-scroller and you control Lupin, I'm pretty sure. Like, I remember, like, Back in the day when this game was coming out, I was like, whoa, I want to play a loop on the third video game on my Nintendo DS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says it's it's a uh, 2D stealth slash action video game. And it has a picture of, of like, it's like a silhouette of Lupin holding a DS. It's really good. <laughs> and he's got, like, a question mark <laughs> over his head. One one thing I'm really appreciating on the Wikipedia article is that under the lists of the games, they list Cliffhanger. I'm, I'm, <laughs> cool. I'm really I mean, look, appreciating Cliff, that right Cliffhanger now. Cliffhanger is a Lupin video game. Why don't we, we have an entire Shaco disaster about Cliffhanger? Jeez. <laughs> well, first of all, because it's called Coco Disaster, you fuck. Oh. Second of all, we should go uh, over Cliffhanger. Uh, hey, uh, Mr. Editor, edit that out. Here, I'll give you a clean one. Coco Disaster. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> bitch. So I looked this up. Um, it has been 32 years since Loop on the Third Part 3's last episode aired. Hmm. Wow. So this really is sort of like a return to a form, if you will. Because I know a lot of um, animators kind of like cut their teeth on Lupin the Third, um, Miyazaki did, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, you may know him, uh, did a number of episodes in part two and then ended up doing Castle of Cagliostro. And there are a couple others that kind of have a name in there. And so, um, this one aired in Italy before it did in Japan, um, partially due to the fact that Lupin is way popular in Italy. Oh, that's... Interesting, I never knew that. Yeah, this isn't exactly the case of, like, Saint Seiya, where it's extremely popular in South America and nowhere else. But definitely, like, Italy has, like, a big thing for Lupin. And this may be ap apocryphal. I, I heard this from someone else, but I believe that Italy, like, did uh, funding for the anime to make sure that they got it first and kind huh. of based it in Italy. 
as sort of like this this kind of like tour guide kind of thing where Lupin right. gets to steal all the best parts of Italy. <laughs> right. Like the pizza. Uh, <laughs> right. He, he does but, eat a lot of pizza. <laughs> the cultural landmark, the pizza. I, I, I can kind of see like Lupin being popular just based off of like, I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of like Italian comics or anything like that, but like <laughs> I'm kind of familiar with it and it's sort of like I feel like Lupin fits nicely into like some of like that like style almost. Yeah, Lupin definitely has like I think a charm that sort of transcends like the the art form mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Well, and it's like it's like his one of his like iconic pieces is just his like fiat that he derives too. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and he gets to keep it in this series too. He yeah. gets to keep his fiat forever. But, like, yeah, you could see Lupin the Third on literally any uh, food truck, and you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> For sure. So, um, this Lupin the Third series um, aired in Italy ahead of the Japanese release. It was supposed to be, I think, like, quarter one of 2015, but due to some delays and, I presume, some kind of production problems, it ended up only airing like two months before release august versus october hmm. um for the japanese release this was headed by the um the companies that have always sort of been in charge of lupon we have telecom animation film and we have tms entertainment very old companies that have had their hands in previous lupon works um, one interesting thing i found out is that the the so with each series uh lupon has had a different color jacket and this one's the blue jacket series and apparently this is a reference to the fact that um, a lot of Italian soccer players, like sort of their, their attire, their standard attire is uh, a blue suit jacket w- uh, over their jerseys. Mm. Oh, okay. I know the national team, the Italian national team wears blue jerseys too. Yeah, so I assume that there's, there's an attachment there. And so this is also getting a dub. And what's interesting about the English dub is that it's predominantly um, a returning cast from the, the part two English dub. So like this, is, this really is a return because like the returning cast of the Japanese um, cast is also here. Like every, everyone from the, uh, the original Lupin series has kept through with that. It's a, it, it's like, a, it, it really does feel like a revival just because so many different people attached to it are coming back, especially in the um, background staff. We have two directors on here. Both of them are veteran Lupin animators. And the first one is uh, Kazuhide Tomonaga, who did work on The Mystery of Mamo and The Castle of Cagliostro. And then we have Yuichiro Yano, who did work on like The Fuma Conspiracy, Farewell to Nostradamus, and then has continued working uh, up to the the most recent movie release, uh, Goemon Ishikawa's Spray of Blood. Yeah, that that is really impressive. That like, especially for like voice cast, that they were able to wrangle them all back thirty years yeah, later. Because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, and then we have um, the script being written by um, Yuya Takahashi, who did the script for the newest Lupin movies. Um, Daisuke Jigen's Gravestone and Goemon Ishikawa's Spray of Blood. And then they also have music by Yuji Ono, who is the main composer for Lupin since part two, I believe. And you can hear that because there are a number of tracks on the soundtrack that are sort of like remixes or like rearrangements of songs that have been used since then. 
so we have this sort of like mix of very old school staff members and new members as well, like just with the script is like someone who's ta- who's been working on sort of the like alternative um, like uh, Fujiko Mine like timeline sort of stories, which are a little more like grim, a little more serious, like kind of edgy, like closer in tone to sort of the original Lupin comics than sort of the like fun loving jokester that the uh, the the TV anime kind of makes him out to be, right. So there's this 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 cool blend of sort of like old Lupin and new Lupin talent that's going into this. And then also um to to kind of go with that is um Tomonaga, one of the directors, pointed out that sort of like in an interview he said that like the Lupin the third anime that he was working on and his generation was watching, you know, 40 years ago is very different from sort of like you know, ch- like what we see as like children's media now, because like mm. Lupin was sort of always an all ages thing with the TV series, and it's it's just very like the 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 world of anime has changed since then. Right, Lupin's not in high school or in a yeah. cyber world, so <laughs> right, it, right, he hasn't been for adults <laughs> only now. <laughs> hey, look out for part five, which takes place oh in Sword Online. <laughs> right. My Thief Academia. Part six, <laughs> Lupin Babies. <laughs> it's gonna be the Yo-Yogi of Lupin the Third, where he's a cool teenager. <laughs> he's hit well, and he's solving mysteries. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, Tomonaga talks about how, like, the idea was to sort of Give something for the the older adult fans who grew up with Lupin, and also the new fans who are going to be watching this series for the first time. Hmm. You know, it's something to make exciting. That's uh, and something that's realistic, but also fantastical. Yeah, and sort of like depicting a Lupin that is sort of like kind of a mixture of all of the different roles he's played before, where he's sort of, like, hard-boiled, and he's comical, he's cool, yet he's, you know, jokey kind of thing. Like, Lupin has always existed as sort of, like, a a James Bond-style cinematic universe where, like, different directors and different writers will portray Lupin differently, depending on the the situation and the story that they want to tell with him. Like, with, uh, with like, um, Cagliostro, you sort of get this idea of him, like, being, like, a, a gentleman thief, you know? He's always mm-hmm. working for other people, and then there are other ones, like, the, the uh, like, Fujiko Mine, where he's definitely a lot more, like, aggressive, he's a lot more sinister, but he still keeps that, like, cool vibe where he's, like, always ahead of the game, kind yeah. of. Right. He's more Spike Spiegel. Right, for sure. And so, you know, this is, this is an attempt by uh, Tomonaga to sort of combine all these different Lupons together to create one sort of, like, great story that encapsulates all the things that people love about Lupon. Yeah, I mean, it's an ambitious goal, but um, I think that they did a pretty good job at it. Yeah, I I mean, as someone who, I guess, fits, like, the... You know, growing up with it, because I was, like, basically, you know, like like a preteen... When I think right. I first started watching it, like I think they did a pretty good job, like bringing me back in. Yeah, it, like it, it never feels like it has to explain itself to you because you always you you get very well um, 
you get very well acquainted with all of the characters very quickly. Yeah, and I felt like, I mean, I might be remembering this incorrectly, just because I just happen to not remember, you know, those episodes, but I feel like they did a lot of, like, characterization that they didn't do in earlier series, or at least kind of took took more time to dive into that. Right, sure. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we start um, talking about the series as a whole. So, before we start the, the discussion proper on the plot, I thought I'd do, like, a quick cast roll call for the people who maybe aren't as familiar with Lupin the Third and its legacy cast of characters. So the first one we have is Arsene Lupin the Third, who's sort of the gentleman master thief. He's sort of the brains behind all of these operations. You know, he's the main character. We have Daisuke Jigen, who's sort of this no-nonsense master marksman who always gets his shot. We have Goemon Ishikawa, who is this samurai assassin for hire who is more absent than all the other characters in these stories, but he still works with Lupin from time to time. We have Fujiko Mine, who's sort of the the femme fatale, you know, the seductress of the group, and she spends a lot of time kind of at odds with Lupin, despite them being sort of like friends. And then we have Zenigata, who... Um, Zenigata is the inspector from Interpol who is always going after Lupin, sort of like, you know, since the very beginning, he's been the guy going after him. So he has the most experience and his like major mission is just to catch Lupin at this point since it's been going on so long. But yeah, so on to the the story now. So part four kind of starts out as like a, a, like a cold open, like a shock kind of thing, where we have um, Zenigata visiting Italy. Right. And Meteorez. Yeah, and we find that uh, he's gotten a, an, an, a, a wedding invitation from none other than Lupin III. What the? Ooh. And he's pretty sure that this couldn't go anything but wrong. Yeah. I mean, with Lupin, whatever goes right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Lupin's never, never been a one lady guy, so <laughs> the notion, the no, I mean, yeah, like the notion of like Lupin, like settling, settling down. down, is just insane. So, uh, I'm just gonna put this in right now. Uh, I watched the Adult Swim dub for the first episode, uh-huh. and I was really not impressed at all like the direction just seemed really poor like especially on the extras which is weird because like like a lot of like the returning cast are like old hat at this yeah. by now so right it, it was just kind of it was kind of disappointing so i i switched to the sub after that like especially since like i i don't know like i remember thinking the dub was really good like they did a really good job you know at least for like an american audience kind of like translating jokes and making making them land a lot more often. I remember that in terms of translation and you the mean cast being good. For the original du- Yeah. Or uh part two you mean? Yeah, for part two. Okay. One weird thing about the 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 Toonami or the like the English dub too is like it has a bit after the opening song 
like there's a minute long just bit where all of the the returning cast like describes themselves really quickly and their motivations and it's like really <laughs> weird and lupon's like my name's lupon i'm like a samurai and uh, yeah <laughs> l-a-d-y uh <laughs> no but it's like it's a weird thing because i think we we did talk about it really quickly is like this this show gets you really quickly like reacquainted with the cast like, yeah they're not so um like complex that you would need like a descriptor for them so it's just weird that they would insert that in. Yeah, I'm Yeah, like especially because like the cast is like all there in the first episode, which is like it seems like a little bit uncommon for Lupin things for it to start with like the whole cast there. Like I feel like usually it's it starts with Lupin and Jigen yeah. and then like sometimes oh, Goemon's here and oh, Fujiko's here now. Right. We start out in a wedding, everyone has to be here. <laughs> That's true. Right. Uh, but, like, it's, yeah, you know, like, in previous series, it feels like they're they're mainly, like, are just in general, the characters are kind of just caricatures. You know, like, yeah, they're instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, yeah, he's the gunslinger. He's the samurai who sits there and, and is weird and mysterious. <laughs> and, and Fujiko's the woman. And, right. Yeah, like... and she's the babe. Like, the end. We did it. Right. And Zenigata is <laughs> Wowza. Just... Ooga. And <laughs> yeah. um, one other thing to note, because I watched the uh the the first part of the the dub, is that um so there are two soundtracks. There's one that is exclusive to the Italian dub, and it's like it's still jazz and stuff, but it's like all original stuff. And then you have Yuji Ono's, which is sort of like remixes and sort of like a lot more classically loop on a lot of um that the the lupon like leitmotif right mm. and it's weird that like the the italian dub doesn't use any of that but then the english dub also uses the italian soundtrack oh that's weird yeah not the opening the opening is just like one of the instrumental tracks from the italian um soundtrack it's just it's really weird i feel my my friend who's really into Lupin apparently doesn't like the Lupin the Third theme, which really just like <laughs> that's a crime. It just blew what? my mind. Like that's not that, real. That anybody could not love the classic Lupin the Third. Yeah, no, right. the Lupin theme it fucking kicks ass. You play that song and pop in music, it's great. And like the the re- the reaction to the Italian opening was uh, <laughs> mixed at best. <laughs> <laughs> like overall so it's like it's weird to see like the outliers are like oh i really just don't like the lupon theme it's the italian theme reminds me of like i forget is it like the german naruto open where <laughs> it's like naruto naruto believe, believe it. it yeah that's the one <laughs> it was like a it's like a hip-hop opening and it's like really messy it's just all over yeah, the it's, place it's weirdly messy like if it weren't if it if it were more consistent, I could see it working. But it's just a weird. If it were in again. English, you'd think it's a four kids opening. But like, <laughs> I also feel like like an Italian version of of an anime set in Italy, like, and that's supposed to like really evoke kind of that European Italian kind of spirit, um, like mm-hmm. like the series itself does. Like, you feel like they would have tapped into that more, but. I mean, right? Yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah. But if it was weird. in English, it would be one step away from his name's Goemon. He's like a samurai, <laughs> right? <laughs> Jigen shooting Zin Nagata's 
uh, policing. The dog is also going on now. <laughs> All right. So now back, it's Lupin's wedding. Oh, right. And he's getting married to uh, a woman named Rebecca Rossellini, who is sort of this, this fashionista icon in Italy, comes from a wealthy family, sort of, you know, she's all over tabloids and stuff for all these men that she's going out with. But she's settling down as well with Lupin. And Zenigata definitely thinks this is some sort of ruse, something to kind of like, you know, Lupin's doing like set up for this this huge heist that apparently requires him to get married. <laughs> How ridiculous. And uh, none of Lupin's friends are happy at all either. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like they are there out of obligation and they are like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they're all wondering what the angle is, too. Yeah, and so we get a little bit of sort of like the first time that Rebecca and Lupin met. Lupin appears at a party and sort of like directly hands Rebecca the uh, a note that just says like, tonight I'm going to uh, scare you or steal you. Well, it's, um, it's one of his calling cards. Yeah. Right. Lupin always leaves a calling card before he steals something. And so he gives one of his calling cards to Rebecca because he's yeah. going to steal her heart. <laughs> right, it's, it's it's it comes off as a lot more of sort of like a like a flirty thing than a mm-hmm. I am an actual thief sort of thing. Yeah, right. And so, like, um, you know, it seems like Lupin's really like planning to settle down, kind of give up the job, and you know, just become like a like a married man, like live an honest life. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's like presented as if that was like his marriage proposal, and she accepted. Like right. the way they the way the two of them talked about it to each other. Yeah, and so it's just like they're they're super lovey dovey, you know, the rings go on, they've mm-hmm. they're celebrating, and none of his friends are happy. None of his friends are talking <laughs> to him. They're like Yeah. They're like leaving him at the table as soon as he sits down, like I showed up, I am out. <laughs> <laughs> Fujigo in particular seems like super jaded about it, like, oh yeah. this relationship meant nothing to you. You just went and got married to someone you knew for, like, two months. And she, well, and she's also super pissed that, like, she had to, like, pay a gift. Right. <laughs> like, she's real mad. Like, I fucking gave you a wedding gift. I hate this. I gave you the best years of my life, but now I have to get you a wedding present. <laughs> I'm Fujiko. <laughs> me, me. But it seems like uh, the three of them, um, Jigen, Goemon, and Fujiko, kind of already, they, they seem to have this idea that there's an ulterior motive here, whether or not they actually know about it. They're all like, this is way too suspicious for Lupin. Not Goemon, though. And at some point, Zinigata breaks into their wedding and gets carried away by all the security. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, because Rebecca Rosalini... Very rich. He, ki- right. he kicks down the door and he yells at and he's like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to kick your ass. And then all of a sudden, like, all the guards, <laughs> like, usher him out. Just burst in on him. <laughs> Zenigata comes in, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and and then Zenigata lands in an Italian prison. It's awesome. Yeah, it is really good. It's like Mitchell. Or, yeah. uh, no, uh... Final Justice. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It was the wrong Joe Don Baker movie. One thing <laughs> one you. thing I really Jeez. liked was that like that the ulterior motive that comes to pass. Like every, you know, the others are in on it except for Goemon. Like 
Jigen has to tell him at <laughs> right? the last minute because he's like, you have the worst poker face. They're going to know. <laughs> like, we, we can't trust you with, with information. I, and Goemon <laughs> feels so bad about being left out. Yeah, too. he's like, like yeah, he's he seems hurt. like genuinely slighted. <laughs> it's really good. So Lupin and Rebecca go back to Rebecca's beautiful home. Yeah. Uh, one thing that cannot be said enough about this series is it really makes Italy look good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The set pieces are really nice. Yeah. So they go back and uh, Rebecca has planned for a, honey trip, uh, a honeymoon trip around the world in a jet that she designed. It's pretty yeah. cool. She She's a real uh, renaissance woman, which right. might. Hey, <laughs> more in this context yeah no i i kind of like that too like talking about because they go into that in that episode too that she kind of does everything like she's mm-hmm. she kind of just does everything like i kind of like her character a lot yeah rebecca is always in command of a situation <laughs> yeah so uh while this is happening and while zenigata is in prison we see that lupon has sent a calling card saying that uh, the next day he's going to steal the royal crown, which is being held in a nearby castle. And here's where we kind of learn that Jigen was in on it and has gotten Goemon um, into the plan that they're going to steal this big thing. But as it turns out, this calling card wasn't from Lupin, and Lupin was just using this to scope out. So he gets caught trying to like kind of scope out this this whole thing, and in the meantime... Zenigata's gotten out, he's chasing after him, and this chase is a lot of fun, because it goes from, like, on foot, over yeah. roofs, into the car, <laughs> sort of, like, all over. Yeah. It's very much like a classic-style, like, like Lupin chase scene, definitely. Yeah, and then it turns out that the card was from Fujiko, who was impersonating one of the, like, people that's supposed to be keeping uh, watch over the crown, and just, like, ollies out, and she's got the crown, she wins. <laughs> No, I thought, actually, I thought the card was, thinking about it, isn't the card from Rebecca? Because she's like, she's like, well, technically my name's Lupin now. Yeah. Uh, that might have been. Um, I know Fujiko just also happens to be there stealing the yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, they're working No, you're right, later, later it does turn out it is from Rebecca. That's right, because yeah, she's like, disguised as the cop who gets um, Zenigata out of prison. Yeah, Fujiko's working rogue as well, but, like, yeah, Rebecca's the one who actually manipulates Lupin. Right, Fujiko gets it, the cops get Fujiko, Lupin gets the crown, and so in order to save Fujiko, Lupin throws the crown, like, into a, uh, into a river, <laughs> so that all of the cops will go after it and leave Fujiko alone. <laughs> Yeah, so it's this, it's just this huge, like, sort of thing, and, like, it turns out that Rebecca has kind of decided to take up thievery. Like, right. n- knows that Lupin's a thief, knows about this whole thing, and decides, like, I want to do that, too. Like, through this whole thing, she's already known that Lupin's going after this thing, which is why she sent that card to, like, throw him off. It's like the song Night Moves, where it's like, she used me, I used her, neither of us cared. And uh, one thing I noticed is they use the word Bridezilla in the subtitles. Oh. <laughs> they refer to Rebecca I, as a Bridezilla. <laughs> I don't remember if they used that in uh, the English dub. That would own. <laughs> Has Lupin the Third ever fought Godzilla? <laughs> oh man, that'd, oh, be, that'd a, be a good Now crossover. there's a crossover yeah. I want to see. So, um... 
while uh, Rebecca and Lupin are talking about this whole thing, you know, she's, uh, Lupin's ended up back with the crown and confronting uh, Rebecca on the roof of this castle. And sort of like as a, as a thrill seeking sort of thing, she jumps off um, with Lupin following along and she gets caught by the cool jet that she made and she invented. And then she grabs the crown as well as Lupin, Lupin falls farther down. So Rebecca Rosalini wins the heist. <laughs> Though she doesn't see it that way. She's like, oh, I got caught, so I'm not really the winner. You know, Lupin still bested me. Right. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Fujiko was going to, was considering the crown as the wedding present. And so uh, Lupin needs to give it back since the wedding was a sham. <laughs> And Lupin needs to get his divorce papers signed. <laughs> he's right. Like, he's on, trying to get it annulled because they didn't. They didn't bone. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. That they didn't actually get married, and like since the whole thing was fake, anyways. Yeah, it was. It was a farce. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh well, we have the wedding papers in already. We're married. We have to go and get the divorce papers. Yeah. And that that comes up a little bit later, but for the most part, like, through a lot of this first half, we get a lot of sort of um, episodic stories, like, one-off heists and sort of, like, very, like, um, chivalrous things that Lupin does. Yeah. It's like, um, in episode two, we have sort of this this bit where he does a job to help steal some, like, uh, blackmail. Doping evidence. Like, so yeah, some yeah. blackmail on this, this famous um, soccer player who, who just really wants to play in the World Cup and can't because he's being, um, he's being blackmailed. Sort of like to throw the match. Right. There's video of him doping. Yeah. But right. um, the actual video is him like basically just using medicine because he's going blind. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so the whole thing is just like, I really want to play in the world, uh, the, the world cup the because world it's sort of my, yeah. my one lap. Yeah. The world series. Yep. <laughs> Almost said it, but I didn't. So thank you for pointing that out. Uh, and so he just kind of wants to, uh, he wants, he wants to, to play his join big the game. Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but, um, and, uh, then it, and regardless of whether or not Lupin does the chivalrous thing, in the end, he ends up winning a lot of money because he bets it all on uh, this this guy, Bratzi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, on him scoring a hat trick during the game, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it, it's a cool ending because it's like, oh, man. Okay, well, how much do you want, Lupin? And it's like, I want three. Three million? No. Three goals. And it's yeah. like, oh, you believe in him. It's... Uh, it's very good. It's yeah. very sweet, but also then Lupin gets uh, a lot of money off of it. <laughs> yeah, gets it gets loaded. Bucks, yeah. <laughs> and so then we have episode three, which is the introduction of sort of not the Zenigata, um like replacement. I'd, I'd say the rival for Lupin. He's definitely a rival. Yeah. Um, to to Lupin, but still sort of the same like Zenigata esque like pursual kind of thing because he is kind of part of the law this is the introduction to nix who is an agent for mi6 which uh you might know from the james bond movies this is the secret service or from the for real England. well shush yeah i only um, know media <laughs> but like he seems like a more threatening character than zenigata 
Right. Zinagata is persistent and Nyx is like actually really good at his job. I mean, Zinagata's pretty good at his job. Sure. It's just the Lupin's very good at his job, too. Zinagata's also the kind of person who's, like, selectively good. <laughs> right. He's extremely good at Lupin. <laughs> right. He can judo throw like nobody else. Um, <laughs> but um, I really like Nyx. Like, I feel like he's a really good counter for Lupin. Like, mm. where, like, he's a lot more, like, cool and calculated, where, like, Lupin is... Like, Lupin's very perceptive, but he's very much, like, seat of his pants in right, what he does. Right, it's very improv, whether, ra- rather than Nyx's sort of, like, I have planned out everything, you know, mm-hmm. down to, you know, like, you know, down he knows, to every like, minute detail. He knows, like, the percentage of, like, failure for everything. Yeah. yeah he always says it's 100%, basically. <laughs> right, and he's <laughs> always wrong, because Lupin's a wild card. Yeah. But, um, so, um... Like Nix's big thing, and he's like the the like the I think he he's like the major agent for MI6 is that he has like some some fantastic ears. Something about him makes it not only that he's very good at hearing, but also he's able to do like echolocation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that when he when he's trying to like find Lupin in this church, he like hits the um he hits like the heel of his shoe against the floor and like here's where lupon is it's like nuts yeah and yeah, like lupon figures out his trick because at first it's just like how are you doing this he ends up figuring it out because he throws a smoke bomb and he realizes that the first thing that he does is cover his ear and he's he's like right. oh, i you know he figures it out and he and he uses that to evade him kind of throw him off the scent and go from um, 0% to 0.2 or whatever. <laughs> right, his, like, 0.2% chance of success, which works yeah. out. Um, the whole thing is funny, too, because, like, we're never really told what, like, Lupin's going after this portion of Marie Antoinette's necklace while the um, the Crown Prince of England is there. First of all, Crown Prince of England, also one of Rebecca's lovers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, she's definitely got a very revolving door style to her that I think forks with sort of, well, like, the, the fact she's that she's, got, like, the like, gossip. Some, like, royalty, like, in her family, I'm pretty sure. Or something. Because, like, she was gonna, like, wear the crown jewels of Italy, like, because it was her wedding. Right. Um, in the first episode. So, like, it kind of makes sense that they would know each other, I guess. But also, like, I know she's she, everywhere. Like, I know she, like, renounced her nobility, basically. Was I think was mm-hmm. essentially because I remember like there's some mention of that where it's like yeah I'm I'm in I was in line but I'm not doing that right and there's a there's a, there's a whole bit where it's like because these are like now distinctly like you know English uh, jewels uh, MI6 is the one doing security so like they capture Jigen and like crucify him and torture him yeah. It's like nuts, and then Lupin uses his his great skills to be able to uh, to save himself and Jigen at once by like faking um, a firefight against the <laughs> the Prince of England. Yeah, like he sets up all these fireworks at Rebecca's house to pretend like they're shooting at him to go off like exactly at like four o'clock or some shit and it was just like right she she like right he and nix is message. like commanded to just like drop everything he's doing so like he's literally got a gun to lupon's yeah. head and like the whole time lupin is stalling as hell yeah lupon sent rebecca a message being like 
Um, I'm going to do something to the prince at four o'clock. You need to protect him on this rooftop. And then she, you know, expects a, like, a showdown and just gets fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) Right, it's awesome. And, like, the whole time he's just stalling, like, super hard, like, oh, can I have one last cigarette? Oh, let me talk to you, next, Just to, like, (laughs) stall for that whole thing. And then we find out that um, MI6 is working on, like, a top-secret plan called the Italian Dream or the Dream of Italy. The Dream of Italy. Which, you know, it seems like sort of like this thing that's not really important. It's like, it's so classified that even Nick's can't see it, though, so we get that it might be a big deal later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've got episode four, uh, which I have titled in my notes, Jeekin's Got a Gun uh, in a Hospital. (laughs) Yes, this is sort of like a, a... a solo episode, because more or less no one else is here except for Jigen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Lupin shows up at the end, but it's it's a very much a Jigen episode. Because <laughs> he's got a toothache. <laughs> yeah, he's got, yeah. oh, poor Jigen. <laughs> he's got an owl. <laughs> he wants to get a, some medicine for his old <laughs> achy tooth. <laughs> But I really like this episode because it has a very, like, 70s anime feel to it. And just, like, it's sort of level of ridiculousness. And it sort, yeah. it sort of fits Jigen's character perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the no-nonsense sort of, like, gunslinger. And he's put into the situation where it's, like, it's very serious. And, like, the gunslinging is way important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's revealed that, like... Like, Jigen has to drive to a small town hospital um, in order to get his achy tooth fixed. Um, And in this small town, it's revealed that nobody is allowed to have guns because the local mafia um, have been taking all the guns and hoarding them for themselves. And if they find anybody with a gun, um, what's the leader's name? Is it Eric? It's Eric the Unkiller. (laughs) Yeah, Eric oh, yeah. the Unkiller will shoot them uh, a lot, but uh, miss all their vital organs so that <laughs> they're still alive. They're just v- very much riddled with bullets. Right, and so in this one <laughs> hospital in town, there's just this room of people who are, like, living off of life support that, like, the staff just can't get to because, like, the taxes are too high to get the things that they need, you know, it's and just constantly... Um, Eric Origiani, I believe he has, is his last name, is like just killing all the, you know, or unkilling all these people. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so like Jigen, while not wanting to get involved in this, ends up in a situation where like someone steals his gun in order to to face off against Eric. So he has to show up and sort of like not only save this person, but he ends up getting dragged in and like stops um stops Eric's uh mafia Brain of terror. <laughs> Right. Like, it's a literal ring of terror because they surround the person and shoot at them, which Jigen proves not a good idea. (laughs) I I love it because we don't even know what happens. Like, Jigen is in the middle of all these people with guns and gets shot at. And what we end up with is we we cut forward to the aftermath being, um, like... Looked over Smash by cut to in media res. Zenigata right. is there. Zenigata and who looks like Columba? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Columbo and Zenigata are there, and they're just like looking over the crime scene, like how did all these mafioso die? And so like uh, Zenigata's like, oh well, 
assume it like it must be Jigen because you know he's got this particular bullet and everything. This is you know his mo, and yeah. so Jigen like dodges out of the way of all of the bullets because he's so good at knowing where bullets are going to be and how fast they are that they all that all of the people in the ring end up shooting each other to, yeah. like in Basically, the most vital um, spot. Like he kind of like sets them off. Like he like makes them all nervous, and that's yeah. kind of like. It sort of like messes with all of their aim, so he's able to like maneuver around the bullets and, and makes them all shoot each other in the most vital spots. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, he's like, he's basically like, I know you're shooting to incapacitate me, not kill me, so I know exactly where you're aiming. And then he <laughs> like, goes so based off here. of that, and then he not only not only makes sure they shoot each other, but they shoot each other in ways that they don't die, so none of them die. <laughs> Right. Wait, do none of them die? No, they all die from each other. No, like, the translation I had, it said none of them died, and then, like, the only one who actually died one, is No, okay, sorry, Eric. Eric died. Eric died. <laughs> Eric yeah, died. Eric most definitely died. <laughs> Eric dead. died because he's, a, like, oh, well, I'm gonna turn this whole machine gun clip on Jigen, and Jigen just, like, shoots a shoots bullet and drops chandelier. a chandelier on him. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what a good episode. Yeah, and then, like, uh, and, like, Jigen just, like, gets some old man's medicine because he doesn't want it anymore. And then, like, the doctor, um, lets her hair down and puts on makeup, and it's, like, a librarian transformation <laughs> in an 80s right. movie. Right, yeah. where suddenly she's extremely hot. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks for the drugs. So this next episode is- I've got is... it titled Episode 5, Lupin and the Circus Mystery. Yeah, it's a weird one, kind of, because it's not really about any of them. Yeah. It's only sort of about Fujiko. It's sort of about Fujiko, yeah. yeah. So, like, Fujiko joins this circus, <laughs> um, which is, it, it used to be, like, a famous um, Italian circus, the, where uh, a, a famous um, magician, I think his name is just Tony. I don't think he has a magician name. It's just Tony. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony the Magician. It says, uh, oh, Tony Belcastro. Okay, Belcastro is, uh, is like, a, a famous magician. He's, like, the, a, a big deal. I'm a big deal. My name's Tony. I do magic. <laughs> hey, bada boom. <laughs> hey! So, Tony died ten years ago in a, a magic trick accident, and the circus has sort of been floundering since then. Um, but Tony does have like an apprentice in the form of this orphan that the circus picked up named Luca. And so, um, like, uh, Tony passes on the magic to him. And so he's trying to learn it. And, uh, Tony's real son is so mad that he didn't, uh, that he didn't inherit the hundred tricks of Tony. So like, there's this whole bit where Fujiko kind of joins to sort of like bring out the inherent magic, uh, ability in Luca. Mm hmm. There's this little bit of drama between Luca and Tony's son proper, who I don't know if I ever got his name down in this, uh, in these yeah, notes. Yeah, I don't remember it. But so, Fujigo sort of, like, is used as blackmail to get Luca to give up the tricks. Luca makes this fake trick that's supposed to kill, um, Tony's son as, like, revenge. Yeah. But, oh no, Fujiko's the one doing the trick! Right, but f and of course, Fujiko already knows ahead of time. Right. I, I kind of like the whole thing that they talk about where they're like, where they're like, the right hand is for like, 
for like magic. The left hand is for deception or something. Yes. And basically, Fujiko knows that it's a death trap because he handed him the uh, <laughs> the, the notes in, with his left hand. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. Right, yeah. so then she ends up making it work, sort of makes Tony's son admit that he, he killed his dad in a rage over this whole thing. And the whole thing turns out to be a long con <laughs> where <laughs> Fujiko... Fujiko made herself attractive to this boy, Luca, who's doing magic tricks on the side of the street um, so that he could rejoin the circus so that he could revive this person's magic so she could then um, sell his talent to a TV network who would take his, like, take his act and make it like a televised series. Yeah, basically, like, like subtly convincing him to to just kind of sell it, <laughs> sell his secrets off, and just get out of right, it. Right. It's it is a wild, like, sort of long con because, like, you don't get any of that from the thing. Like, it seems like, oh, Lupin's jealous that Fujiko <laughs> is like with this other man, kind of thing, and that's kind of like the whole connection. Well, I, I like him undercover as like as like a, a, a reporter. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like Lupin as a reporter. It's yeah, it's a good look. Him and Jigen do a lot of like weird buddy sort of stuff where they're like yeah. disguised as like a like a duo doing something. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I noticed that Goemon didn't really show up for like the first like handful of episodes. Like he really was well, not very. Like, I mean, that's prevalent. sort of like the way he is, though, isn't it? He's a very elusive character. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll show up true. in sort of a bigger deal later. So right. the next one is sort of like um, this this Lupin versus Zenigata thing over a large fortune handed over to a recent widow named Elena Godi. I liked this one. This was a good one. And this episode is interesting because, like, it's it's about sort of like layers of deception and sort of like this back and forth between uh, Lupin and Zenigata sort of trying to outplay each other. Yeah, and like it's it's a it's a big long con where it turns out that um oh fuck I can't even think of how to describe this episode okay. now. So Lupin pretends to be Zenigata, and the real Zenigata comes in and takes the woman away to a secret hiding place. Meanwhile, that woman is actually Fujiko yeah. pretending to be the woman <laughs> while the real woman is still at her house with fake Zenigata, a.k.a. Lupin. Yeah. Right. Who then gets outed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zenigata <laughs> figures out that it's uh, Fujiko and... Chases her and then all of a sudden Lupin shows up in a helicopter. <laughs> and... Reveals that the woman has also been lying. <laughs> right. It's it's just this huge it's this it's this huge set of um like lies against each yeah. other. Right. And it all ends with a fucking tower of gold bricks yeah. hidden right. inside this mansion. Because it's like everyone's after um Elena's uh, fortune that she got from her late husband, and yeah, then she's and- like, oh well, it's fake. So we go through this big song and dance where like Eventually, Lupin and Zenigata work together to, like, pretend to steal her fortunes so that no one will bother her anymore. No, it's it's really good, because, it, like, it starts out, like, they, they have all these different versions of it, and, and you just don't know what to believe. Because at first, it's like, 
oh, you know, the two of them were madly in love. And then it, it turns out that, like, there was one time she cheated on him with someone and he never forgave her and, like, literally abused her, basically. Right. And, right. like, it's very clear at the end of uh, her husband's life, they both despise so, each other. like, she's basically like, oh, it's something that, he, it's a rumor he spread at his death to get back at me, so that way I'd have all these treasure hunters and everyone coming after me constantly. And then, and right. then you find out, in fact, that it is the truth, though. Right, and like, she, she's like, I wasn't supposed to know about the fortune, but I did, because I'm very smart. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's, in the first season of this anime, there's kind of, like, a surprising amount of, like, like abuse to women, in it? Mm. Yeah, because they also talk about how, like, uh, Elena was, like, a prostitute as a child until she got saved. Right. Yeah. But, like, there's this episode, then, like, the next episode, and then, like, not the <laughs> next episode, but the one after that. And I, it's, uh... From what I understand, it, Italy has, like, an issue with, like, prostitution yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So, it's I think it's just kind of coming up with that. It, it definitely gets better. It, like, right. But there's it, definitely, but like, a seedy side to all of this. Yeah. yeah. And so, Lupin gives up the chase for this gold, because he's like, oh, I didn't I didn't do it in, within my calling card time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, oh, and then they're like, I forget, whoever it is that's with him. Right, and Ellen is, like, so surprised that, like, Zinigata comes back and, like, protects her, even though that she's, like, lying and conniving. And yeah. is, like, so surprised by, like, the, the chivalry the chivalry that he displays that, like, reminds her of Roberto when Roberto was saving her from prostitution as a child, that she ends up becoming a politician who's gonna, like, clean up the streets and really, like, crack down on this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I liked the whole thing where it was just, like, basically, um, where it was tying, like, uh, uh, her, Roberto, um, Lupin, and then ultimately her together, where it's just, like, um, you know, uh, I, I, I couldn't stand to see, I can't stand to see a woman cry. I've got to do something about it. Right. And she's going to clean up the streets to wipe out the prostitution ring because she mm -hmm. doesn't want to see what's happened to her happen to other women. To others. Yeah. And it's a really cool ending. Right. Like, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Then there's episode seven, which is sort of another Nick's episode where somehow, okay, first of all, so he's got a family. His real name's Justin. Mm -hmm. He is a husband and father of three, and he has three children with three completely different hair colors, and I don't know how he pulled that off. Because <laughs> um, he seems I mean, loyal. It's, it's dye. I, I, I'm, I assume. I guess also, so, because the one, the one who's a fan of Rebecca, maybe. Yeah. Right. But also, I mean, like, it probably wouldn't be him cheating if they were... I think his wife would notice <laughs> if he brought a baby home. Right. It's like, <laughs> hey, you had this. I guess cheating as a guy makes it a little bit harder. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Check out this baby I found. What the? You ha hey, honey, you had this while you were asleep last night. <laughs> hey, you know how Zeus birthed a baby from his uh, his uh, uh, leg? Well, guess what? It's not what happened here, <laughs> but it was kind of like it. But uh, so we have sort of this this um, this two maybe like three story sort of thing going on. So we have um, Nix's daughter Bridget, who's a big fan of Rebecca's who, like, sneaks out of school in order to go see Rebecca, who's doing, like, a, a presentation at a museum. Mm-hmm. 
Um, then we have Lupin and Jigen, who are doing, like, this jewel heist, meanwhile. Um, and then we have Nyx, who is doing, like, looking into, like, a, a, a prostitution ring going on, where a bunch of uh, young girls are being kidnapped around um, San Marino and are being sold on, the mar- on, like, the black market. Weird that, like, an MI6 agent is working on this in Italy. Yeah, like, it's weird that MI6 gets, like, placed here, but they're working on something else, which is this Dream of Italy, which comes up again. Yeah, the the, mm-hmm. it, the Italian dream comes up again, or whatever, Dream of Italy. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, this, this all works together because Bridget gets kidnapped, and Nyx finds out about it and starts going after it, and it turns out that Nyx has, like, a berserk mode, mm-hmm. where, like, at some point he can just, like, let If he gets a all- high enough combo, he can <laughs> press both sticks down oh, no. and enter his... But he, like, loses <laughs> all inhibition, like, later the MI6 people are, like, super scared of Nyx as, like, uh, when he's in berserk mode, like, they can't like, stop they him. they actively try to murder him when he goes Wait, into Wait, like, if you can't stop him, mode. shoot him. Yeah. They know about it from the get-go, because, like, when they hint at it, they're like, like, they, they say something as if they're ready to take him down if he does completely lose it. So, right. like, at the MI6 knows about this. Well, yeah, they're like, he, like, prepares, like, a B-team to take him out if necessary. Like, right. they, it doesn't come yeah. to that. And, like, Nyx goes berserk because he thinks Lupin kidnapped his daughter when it turns out he accidentally saved her. Right, so... Um, Bridget gets kidnapped and placed in the trunk of a car. Lupin steals the car running away at, from the heist because yeah. uh, Zenigata's has already got the fiat. And so then Nyx finds them and it's like, oh, well, he puts two and two together, which it makes sense. Uh, Lupin's there. And Lupin, like, actually takes care of uh, Bridget and is, like, waiting for people to come pick them up. And yeah. also, like, Bridget's like, oh, you're, you're married to, uh, you're married to Rebecca? Well, then I love you. And it's like, it's kind of <laughs> cute, the way that they interact with each other. Yeah, it's pretty good. And so, like, at the end, like, Lupin forgets his jewels as he's running away from Nyx, and Bridget gets Rebecca's signature <laughs> on a five-euro bill. And, yeah. like, Nyx is happy because it's really just, like, a misunderstanding sort of thing. He's like, hey, don't ever mess with my family or I'll kill you. Yeah. But he, like, yeah. <laughs> slaps him on the back laughing. <laughs> Do it again and I'll kill you. <laughs> right. Because, like, Rebecca sends, um, sends Bridget away from this whole situation, because at the time, um, Nyx is wearing a ski mask to, like, hide himself, and yeah. so they're like, oh, he's a thief, they're gonna keep- and, like, Bridget just gets sent on, like, a shopping spree through Rebecca's, like, clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun little episode. Yeah. Right. Then we have episode eight, which is sort of like this this haunted ho- this hotel hell haunted castle sort of thing. Right. I have it listed as Lupin's mansion or hotel or whatever. <laughs> and this episode is basically just an episode of Ducktales with Lupin the <laughs> Third, right? Because this- Lupin and Jigen like show up at this hotel. And it's like, oh, it's supposed to be haunted, and also have um, ancient treasures, including like a lost um, a lost painting by. Um, Da Vinci, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was um well this 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 was one I really liked. I like I had like the ending of it kind of picked out like halfway through it. But mm-hmm. it was it was still one of my favorites. Yeah, I love Lupin and Jigen's like interactions because 
Jigen is like a big old scaredy cat about this hotel, and Lupin's just and he immediately just gets drunk. <laughs> yeah, Jigen immediately drinks away his fear. Jigen is a plus in this episode. Yeah, there's this whole thing where like they're finding secret routes and everything, and like it turns out that the hauntedness of this hotel is just like a marketing thing between the owner and like his daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are also actually ghosts here that Lupin runs into from um, a family that used to live here and were murdered due to, like, a betrayal from the uh, a family they married into. Yeah. Right. Well, it's really only one ghost. Right. But there, but there, are, there is a ghost. Right. And she was told to guard the treasure, but it turns out... There was no real treasure. It's just her sister trying to protect well, her from being brutally murdered. Well, there was yeah. treasure, and it was Michelangelo. It was a Michelangelo painting. There is a treasure, but uh, because it's been there for, like, hundreds of years or whatever, it's, like, all of the treasure is either destroyed or, like, worn. Like, the painting has been, yeah. like, through weather for hundreds of years, and it's just, like, looks like sh- nothing anymore. Yeah, because it's been sitting in, like, a collapsed tower. It's gotten sun damaged and stuff. Right. Lupin takes it to Antiques Roadshow, and they're like, uh, <laughs> did you polish this? And he's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, they, do the, uh, this- they do the recreation of that one Jesus painting. Right? <laughs> right. Lupin tries to do the recreation. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he makes he makes Fresca Jesus. And so, like, the whole thing is just, like, this ghost has been waiting all this time for someone to sort of, like, take over and, like, let her know that it's okay to leave with her sister. And Lupin, like, doing the chivalrous thing is like, oh, you did such a great job doing the treasure, I'll take care of it now, and sort of, like, leaves it since it's all worthless. Yeah. Right. Also, he's basically fighting the Beagle Boys. Right, uh, like, oh, like yeah, there's, this other, really there's this other family that pops up, like, like head by someone named Mama. Like, it's yeah. just, like, two dudes who are like, oh, Mama, take care of us, kind of. Well, um, like, it's, it's really, I love, uh, just one thing I wanted to say is I love, like, how they kind of set them up as if they're like this recurring bad guys. Like, yeah, they're they're very much the kind of bumbling beagle boys with like the domineering master who's their mom. And like, but they're just one-offs. Like this is the only episode they're yeah. ever in. And when yeah. they show up, it's like, oh my god, it's you again. Wow. <laughs> it's such like a weird yeah. one-off. It, it reminds me a lot of the the castle in the sky sky pirates. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, where they have one old lady taking care, and then the other bomb people are like, Mama, take care of us, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and, like, these guys aren't, like, Lupin the Third villains, right? Right. <laughs> no, they, yeah. They've never really appeared before, I don't think. God. And, and just another thing that, that, we, that we didn't quite talk about that I, I really appreciate about the episode is, like, mm-hmm. the whole, like, the specific thing of how they find the, um... <laughs> of, of how they find the, the dungeon underneath. Because, like, basically the right. whole story is, like, oh, um, everybody who always reports the ghost stories, they're already, they're always, like, fucking drunk, and they just end up in an area where they have no idea where they are, and they just run around for a while, and then they just kind of get dumped out eventually. Right. Um, and they have no idea what the <laughs> fuck. So Lupin's like, oh, there's a maze underneath. They find the maze by, like, Jigen getting ready to piss in this random hole. Right, <laughs> which is just in the wall, like... It's like turns out that everyone has just been pissing in this hole because it kind of looks like a toilet in the corner of this room, and it just leads them to corridor. Yeah. So like, it's I just I love that so much. (laughs) 
Then we have episode nine, which is sort of Goemon's feature. It's like the first time he's really shown up since the original heist. Yeah. And so um, a bunch of people are getting assassinated all around the world. And it turns out that these are all people who Goemon had worked with um, who were also assassins. Mm-hmm. Like sometime before this, um, Goemon like had like they had created like a league of extraordinary gentlemen out of all of the best assassins in the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. This this Italian politician named Fago is like, I called you all together to kill this one man, right? Um his name's like Samuel Decal. He's the president of the Republic of Dahlia, who's like a dictator yeah, they need to kill. Yeah, he's a dictator, yeah. And a dick. <laughs> You're right, my man. Yeah. And he's got like a hired guard named Zora, who's like this legendary sniper. So the idea is that um, Fago, in order to, as it turns out, like he's he's doing this for oil, so he can kill this guy and like take over all the oil that this guy is um, like headed over, like from this land. And so there's this huge fight. It's like pretty cool in like uh, like some kind of African desert. <laughs> Yeah, because it's yeah. it's um it's the dictator's like hometown. Like he apparently travels there once a year. So they they um decide to to you know surprise him on that route. Yeah, they're gonna ambush right. him. But then like even before we can see the car, like um uh, like three or four of them just die immediately because Zora is just that good of a shot from that far away. Yeah. and while moving in a car. Yeah. So. We have Goemon, and the main character attached to him is this, what, what appears to be a child who's named Belladonna, who seems to be, like, an, ex- an explosives expert. <laughs> yeah. Because she, she is super ready to, like, just, like, suicide bomb Blow herself on this up. dude. Yeah. 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 And Goemon's like, I won't do that. I'll take care of you if things get bad. And totally does. He totally, um... He's... Uh, uh, Goemon's OP. Yeah, Goemon cuts the bullet in half. Yeah. Zora, it turns out, is, like, nuts, where he's like, oh, the wind is going this way, and the the sand is pushing the bullet this way, so I can make all these wild shots that, like, you know, like, loop and stuff. But um, Belladonna gets, like, this this clean hit on um, Zora uh, with her, like, pistol, and Goemon gets the kill and slices the dude in half like he actually splits. Like the, he splits the entire car. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. But the dictator's it sitting wild. in the middle. It looked like I. It looked like the driver got out okay somehow though. <laughs> like it didn't look like he got cut. Yeah, but it seems that Zora's come back because all these people that have been dying around the world are dying by his particular brand of sniper rifle. Right, mm-hmm. and it's all the people from the the assassins group. Yeah, so everyone ends up dead except for Belladonna and um goemon and they end up showing up at like zora's hideout because he's survived the whole thing um somehow and they they make it there and they're like jumping in and they find him like basically dead (laughs) like he's wheelchair bound he's extremely old there's no way he's holding a gun let alone shooting (laughs) it we find out that belladon is the real assassin working with fago because he doesn't want to get discovered that he like assassinated this person for oil while he's in this like bid for candidacy right and he uh raised belladonna yeah she's like his adopted daughter yeah but like it's an extremely abusive relationship there's like yeah he's he's, like sexually assaulting her he's like 
beating the he shit has out a of her. Bomb in her heart. Yeah, he planted a bomb in her heart, like to start. So first, already not a, a good bad dude. dad. Right, yeah. right, and, and so like that's like the only reason he's that not they, a soccer dad. It seems like the only reason that she stayed with him is because of this bomb thing. But it turns out that Goemon cuts. Um, well, he she murderizes her dad right, eventually, right? Yeah. And is like, I'm going to turn on the detonator anyways because I need to atone for my sins. And Goemon's like, uh, No, I told you I'd protect you. So he makes the perfect incision to not kill her, but to get to the bomb in her heart take it and throw it into the air like it looks like he doesn't just like cut it out it looks like he stabs it out of her like pokes it out <laughs> right and, mm-hmm. and so belladonna gets to live and it's like it's weird because it's like trying very for this like dark story but it's also like absurd constantly <laughs> like the, yeah. the the tone is all over like, the I place feel like for this. that's something that you see on like one of those late night uh, knife infomercials like <laughs> this sword is so good you could stab through someone's heart and they'll live <laughs> cut out the bomb slice the bullets in half D- japanese what? swords folded 1000 times yeah totally he like, he like pushes it out like like a fucking pool cue he just like takes his <laughs> corner shot <laughs> then we have this great little episode episode 10 is um like a lupon's double date disaster oh. where <laughs> He he gets invited to this um this like wine exploration as they call it um mm-hmm. by both Fujiko and Rebecca and he agrees to go with both of them. So he's doing this thing where he's constantly running from one to the other, trying <laughs> to um trying to pretend like everything's cool and he's not like he's changing into his Wolfman costume. He's putting on <laughs> his Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, and oh no, he's wearing his Wolfman costume and the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> And it turns out both of them knew and like didn't give a shit because the whole point was they were both getting in to to steal the wine. Because they're they're only letting couples in, right? They're only letting mm-hmm. couples in because this like particular wine is called the Love Sick Pig, and um, it's a it, it's a wine that you if you drink it you're supposed to fall in love with someone. If, and so Fujiko wants it so she can sell it. Rebecca wants it because she wants to steal it. And Lupin's like, wow, you. Guys both have no romance in you, huh? <laughs> like, he, he, he yeah. feels, like, kind of bad that he's been used, and not for, like, a way that he finds interesting. Yeah, like, right. he, like it's funny, because he's, like, using them at first, and then he's like, what? <laughs> Why yeah. are you using me like this? <laughs> and, like, Fujiko and Rebecca end up having this, like, duel, where, like, they're both trying their different ways to to steal this um, this wine. And, like, gets to the point where, like, Fujiko's clearly better, so Rebecca just buys the vineyard <laughs> yeah. to be able to get access to all of the rooms and everything. Yes. That's really good. Uh, yeah. I love that. Um, everyone drank the wine except for Lupin, so everyone's falling in love with everyone, including Lupin. Um, mm-hmm. Well, like, it, the wine works, basically, it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, the first person you you saw. The person you were looking at when you drank it. So, like... And then there's like one time there's there's a part where he falls down in a room and a bunch or there's like a bunch of guys looking at him. They're mad at him actually because he's like trying to to be with both girls and they're like you that and, motherfucker. And, and they're both very hot, so they're like, oh, how does he get these women? <laughs> and then they end up falling in love with them. Lupin, how come your mom lets you have two babes? <laughs> All these guys are trying to get with him too. It's really funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. And so like Rebecca and Fujiko sort of like fight over this wine. And it ends up being stolen by this old man who's been, like, trolling Lufon since the beginning. 
because he's like the the producer of the wine. His name's Guido, and at some point he was working on this with his wife. Um, and this is the last barrel, and it turns out that his wife died at some point, and that's why they stopped making the wine. But this last case includes the body of his dead wife. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I guess she committed suicide because she didn't want the, the, the responsibility of the thing that she was creating. Yeah, like Lupin right. pretty much figures out what's going on behind it because he's like, wait a minute. If if there's still plenty of this wine, because they like they make it out to be the last of it of this stock, right. mm-hmm. but there's like clearly tons of it because everyone's been drinking it, and he's like, wait, why is that? And then he figures it out, and yeah, yeah, that's where the body was hidden. And it turns out Lupin, th- the love potion doesn't work on Lupin because he's in love with every woman ever already. <laughs> he's got too <laughs> much level it's as is. Bullshit! It's such bullshit. And then Lupin almost has a hot threesome. <laughs> But uh, the potion wears out just in time for him to, like, get just destroyed by Fujiko and Rebecca. It's great. Double kicked in the face. Yeah, then, right. we, then like, Fujiko and Rebecca have sort of a thing where it's like, oh, Rebecca, you don't know anything about love. You're not a real woman yet. And we see, like, a flashback of Rebecca with what seems to be, like, a former lover or a fling or something that ties back to the dream of Italy. Yeah. That's where we sort of hit the, the, the main plot. Yeah. We're getting there. It's happening. So with the the dream of Italy is sort of this thing where um, this previous lover of Rebecca's is like a is is some kind of neuroscientist, someone who's really big on um, like studying the brain. So this guy that Rebecca was into, Wataru, has been researching this way to like escape the world and mold your own, like this idea of creating your own world and not having to take place in then the one that you live in. Mm-hmm. And so he's been writing all these notes and these ideas of what he refers to as the dream of Italy. And like the dream of Italy as Lupin kind of like decodes his stuff, he finds out that um that Wataru has created this this alternative reality where like it seemed like he died in um in real life just like out of nowhere like sort of just passed out and died but what actually happened is he like uploaded his consciousness sort of into this book so that anyone who decoded it would be able to access well, he was murdered him. by mi6 but before that's right he was actually murdered but also he uploaded his memory into this book so that anyone who decodes it can like have his consciousness enter theirs it, yeah, it's kind of like an extra way for, like, his, I guess, for his secret to kind of live on, and yeah, because, I mean, obviously yeah. it's like really important, really powerful. And so, once they, they enter the Dream of Italy, they find out that this is sort of the thing that MI6 has been after all this time. Like, they killed him, tried to figure it out, they were unable to, like, solve his clues and riddles in this book, but now that, like, Lupin has figured out, and Lupin, using this knowledge, has found his way into, like, Wataru's, um, like, I guess, like, secret base where all of the, the deeper sort of, like, um, knowledge was. Yeah. They used Nyx to follow him along and use, because he also has the superpower of, um, of, like, photographic memory. Right. He's, like, uh, Cam Jan. Oh, um, another kind of side of it, just, like, a little thing that does come up briefly later, um, that I guess kind of sets it up how, like, Lupin knows, like, instantly 
that that this is something important like when he's in the dream as opposed to just writing it off as a dream it's like he's like oh i I literally never dream what the hell is this about right everyone talks about how like lupon never dreams like everyone knows mm-hmm. that about him like yeah all, all the other members <laughs> of his party they're just like but he never dreams <laughs> yeah <laughs> turns out lupon's been fucking with him he's just like man i hate talking about my dreams <laughs> Yeah, they're so another boring. one with Fujiko in it. Woof. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. So um, the dream of Italy is like this: uh, this implantation of the personification of someone in their brain. He with Rebecca, because Rebecca has this attachment to this person. They go to um, his his where his notes are left, and they're supposed to destroy it. And in order to escape, Nix, who has been following them this whole time. He sets fire to all of the notes, because that's what Wataru wanted anyway, so these don't fall in the wrong hands. But also, it means that they have a chance to escape while, you know, Nyx only has this limited time to, to implant all of this information in his brain. Um, ultimately, this is where we start getting, like, the, the idea behind the, the Dream of Italy, what it is, and kind of... We don't know what they're doing with it, but MI6 is definitely planning to plant some kind of consciousness for some kind of nefarious deed. We got that much. But during this whole thing, Nyx goes berserk because mm-hmm. um, Rebecca's butler, like Robson, is like, hey, uh, if you don't let these people go, I'm going to blow up your family. And so he just flips the fuck out. Yeah. It, it, mm. And so Nyx like, chases after Rebecca and Lupin continued. Lupin, like, sends Rebecca away on, like, a, a zip line to save her, and MI6 ends up shooting Nyx and uh, Lupin as well to capture both of them at the same time, since Lupin knows too much, yeah. and Nyx is mm, not okay. Right. And then they, uh, they, they transfer him over to ICPO, to Interpol. Right. For, and Zenigata takes over. Yeah. And so Zenigata's like, man, you, you gave your up, yourself up for this woman, huh? It must be really important or something. And he doesn't get it because Lupin's never done this. Yeah, he's right. like, what treasure do were you trying to get? And he's like, uh, there was no treasure this time. It was, yeah. I, <laughs> it was love. <laughs> Turns out, Zenigata, the real treasure was the friends you made along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we have um, episode 13, the end of Lupin the Third, which is sort of like this... It's it's a string of Lupin breaking out of prison to be put back in prison <laughs> over and over. So Lupin keeps finding his way out of these Italian prisons, even though everyone's like, oh, there's no way he's going to break out of this. And every time <laughs> Lupin, like, very clearly for something is like, hey, this part of it is why I broke out. So maybe you should put me in a... <laughs> Maybe you should put me in a prison that doesn't have these things like security or bars or allows me yeah. to see people. So it ends up that Lupin gets, um... He's just inside of a box right. on uh, an island. And Zinnagod is there and he's watching him all the time. <laughs> and he's making him, like, fantastic meals, it looks like. Yeah. Like, Zinnagata is an A-plus chef. Yeah, especially with just, like, a, a, just a fire. That's it. But, like, one yeah. thing I liked before that was just, like... When, when he was in the first prison, like, they moved all the other prisoners out. It was just, like, a hundred guards and one prisoner. It was really <laughs> And he still good. breaks out all the time. <laughs> and so, there's kind of this back and forth, like, Luvon's like, oh, well, you got me. I lose. Like, I can't break out of this. You made it perfect. And so, um, Lupin starts, like, giving up the will to live. And Zenigata's, like, kind of worried because he's like, well, with Lupin gone, like, 
what do I have left? Like, I have nothing to do. I, I've spent my whole life, my whole career chasing after Lupin. Like, what's my purpose anymore? He has, like, an existential crisis, and it's, like, deep down, like, he's, like, he's kind of, like, struggling with the notion that he kind of, like, wishes that, like, Lupin, Lupin would break like, out and, like... yeah. Like, all of his friends would... Because, like, none of his uh, gang is, like, helping him out either. They're just, like, doing stuff. Yeah, they're all being monitored, and it's six months. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, a six-month period. And he's just, like... He's getting distraught, like, as he's getting more and more, like, starved. Like, he, like, bashes his head against the rocks, and he, like, punches the rocks, and he's, like, constantly hurting himself. Because he's so mad, because he doesn't understand what Lupin's game is. And he's right. like, why is he killing himself? I hate this. Because <laughs> uh, Zenigata's like, well, nothing else is going to feel as good as this chase. Lupin was the best thief. Yeah, it was It was his entire purpose in life. Yeah, Lupin gives up eating. He like kind of lets himself die. And as Zenigata goes in to collect um, Lupin's body after he's dead, it turns out that this this has been an extremely long con, like longer than the circus one where Lupin has been using Zinigata's sentimentality to break him down and like to paint using the food a picture that at the perspective of Zinigata's like looky hole would look like Lupin just laid down dead, but was actually like just a painting that he was putting on the floor with all his food. And so he locks Zinigata up in the in the jail, runs away, and it turns out that it's been fine the whole time. It's wild. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's extremely good. But then, at the end, we reach, um, we reach sort of ahead with the, the Dream of Italy thing, because mm. at MI6, someone has escaped their grasp, and they're, they talk about being worried that he'll adapt to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's right. It's Shadow the Hedgehog, baby. <laughs> oh no! Well, it's it, it, it's some naked man standing on the Colosseum, looking over Rome. Some some naked, extremely hairy man, just bare ass, standing on top of the Roman ruins, looking down. <laughs> yeah. So the next uh, the next episode, we're gonna go through. I think the second half a little bit faster, just because this is where the plot comes in, and we can come back to some mm. of the like episodic stuff later. Um, yeah. we, we get to a point where, um, Lupin goes to France and decides to go to the Louvre to steal the Mona Lisa. And while he's there, they end up finding, so they, they talk about how there's always been two Mona Lisas, uh, just drawn at different part of the, the, the Mona Lisa's life. The, the, um, what's the, the word I'm yeah, looking the for? Subject, I guess. Yeah. The subject's life. And. We find that this this other one that Fujiko bought in the front of the um in front of the the museum is also an exact copy of the original. Like it's decidedly by Da Vinci. Yeah, and we we see the the hairy man again who was on the the Colosseum. He's the one who painted it, and later he's looking at um one of the one of the coins, and he points out that. The, the Vitruvian man on the coin is his sketch. Yeah. So, it turns out... And this is where I audibly said, oh my god. <laughs> turns out... I love anime. <laughs> da Vinci's yeah. back, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. So, 
the the whole idea behind this is that MI6 has used the the dream of Italy, this idea of implanting a consciousness into someone else's brain to artificially create a body that had uh, Da Vinci's mind in it, all of his memories, all of his um, like ingenuity in there, like. Like, MI6 successfully, you know, saved the information that Lupin was burning, because Nix used his, like, energy, his or whatever, instead of pursuing um, Lupin, used it to memorize what was on the wall as it was burning, and then right, get that right. to MI6. Right, and then, like, Da Vinci was created, and they were going to use, I guess they were going to use, like, his knowledge for, um, you know, to, to create- To a- make a non-working uh, helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> To probably to like like adapt him and like make him sort of like an asset to to make like MI six the most powerful uh, power, right? Uh, but he broke out and sort of like he's learning to adapt to the world and everything. And so uh, so here we lose the plot. We have we have this bit where like <laughs> episode fifteen, oh, yeah, we where uh, Lupin pretends to be a substitute teacher to get his diamond back, <laughs> and in turn teaches these teachers how to be good teachers. Basically, he steals a diamond. He loses the diamond in like the mo- like the dumbest way possible. <laughs> right. Like he he gets panicked by um, Zenigata, and he just throws it like two blocks into this kid's backpack as he drives by. <laughs> so he impersonates a teacher, but the teachers are using the diamond as a bomb to, like, are pay we gonna come back, back to this? some mafioso who they, like... <laughs> well, they're trying to blow up the mafioso right, sorry, so that they don't right. have to pay them back. So they don't have to pay them back because, like... They're teachers. They don't have the money. Right. The, the, the mafioso gets mad um, about, like... That like getting into a bar fight basically, and they're like, "You have to, you have to pay me all this money," and they're like, "I'll blow you up instead." But Lupin, being the chivalrous man he is, sends the police to stop them. It's, right. it's a great old time. And then he throws the diamond away because it's nothing but trouble. Right. Then we have Lupin's day off, uh, which is <laughs> like, so Fujiko's on a cruise. And this this lady that she's like unfortunately hanging out with, like they're she's mm-hmm. not happy. But this lady lost the dog at the last stop, and so Lupin picks up this dog. And Lupin, Jigen, and Goemon are driving to the to the coast to not only drop off this dog, but also because they got reservations at a five star restaurant. Right, they're gonna get some sushi. Right, so this it's this great road trip of just the three of them. Hell but it's yeah. just constantly being delayed because Zenigata yeah. shows up and they run out of gas and the dog runs away at some point and just like mm-hmm. this nightmare where it ends up they 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 can't make their reservation or the cruise ship so they fucking drive off of this pier to land on the cruise ship and they have dinner on the cruise ship and bring back the dog and nobody's happy right and the dog runs away because it hates the owner <laughs> right the dog runs away to to hang out with hot babes right I I have. I have two notes on this episode. It's, I like that Goemon doesn't know how to drive, and <laughs> well, yeah, I don't the, like that the dog wants to fuck. Well, the dog is a lady, and the dog just likes other ladies. But, yeah. like, hot ladies. Yeah, that dog wants to fuck. <laughs> then, we, then we have, uh, it's like a murder game, sort of. Uh, there's this religious cult based around this dude who has, like, decided to clean up the streets his own way by, like, 
hypnotizing and murdering criminals. <laughs> yeah, he hypnotizes criminals and forces that like makes them kill each other in this like weird like game show sort of thing. Like people are literally betting on it. Right, including Lupin who bets on himself, of course. <laughs> and it's like this thing where they all get pulled in like, you know, Lupin also gets to steal something. That's why he shows up with his crew. Well, they challenge him. Right. They they challenge Lupin like either you steal this thing or you kill each other. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to steal the thing and not kill each other. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it seems like they're, like, killing each other off one by one via paranoia. But this whole thing has been, like, a ruse put together by Lupin and the team. Because they're just such good teammates. Right. So, like, not only have they stacked odds in their favor, so Lupin's bet against himself is, like, a million dollars or whatever. <laughs> but also, like, tricking everyone into thinking that they've got it. And then, like... You know, it, they're basically using, like, cocaine, more or less, to, like, dull people's senses and hypnotize them. Mm-hmm. And so Lupin realizes that the one, like, hypnotizing people has interacted with this dust the most, so he is literally the most susceptible man to hypnotism. Right, and then it turns out Lupin's like, no, it's just a psychological thing, because they thought they could get hypnotized, they were. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's like yeah this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of awesome, right? It's, yeah, like it's really funny because it's like the whole time it looks like they're just getting destroyed, like literally just being completely owned on on national television or whatever. And then like right. he just proceeds mercilessly to just tear everything away from them and just humiliate them. It's yeah. really good. <laughs> <laughs> then we come back to the plot for um, the episode 18, which is sort of like Da Vinci's first move where he's like, turns out that all this graffiti is appearing around town where it's like the Last Supper, but instead of Jesus and his disciples, it's like Lupin and friends. Right. Yeah. And they weren't able to get 13 people. <laughs> right. So they got like nine. I think it's yeah. Lupin, it's Jigen, it's Goemon, it's Fujiko, it's Rebecca, it's Robson. It's Zinigata, it's Nyx, and it's the head of MI6. Right. So, uh, at this point, Nyx has um, resigned from MI6. Right. Well, they the only reason he was able to resign was basically because he had memorized this stuff. Like, <laughs> Right, so he's like, I'll trade this information for the fact that I never have to do this job again. Right. Clearly, it's, you know, getting in the way of me and my family living life. Yeah. So... Um, they, they all gather in this church in Milan, where they, they find a table set up for them, where they, they all do the, the sitting, uh, like the, like the, like the painting. And they, they all talk to each other while Da Vinci is sort of like sitting in this other room, like orchestrating their dinner. And so Lupin starts speaking about like the dream of Italy and what he saw and the way that MI6 kind of got their hands on it, and what they've done with the these memories. Right, and he's, like, basically, like, breaking this down point by point in a way that's, <laughs> like, amazing. And, like, he ends with, like, and they cloned Pablo Picasso. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so it's like, um, what is his name? Percival Gibbons is the head of MI6. Yeah. And, like, the whole time he's like, Okay, I know Lupin knows something. If he knows too much, I need all of the MI6 people to show up and shoot everyone in this room. <laughs> because we can't let this information get out. And it doesn't work. He does know all the information. He just announces it. 
but he's able to like run everyone's able to make a break for it and escape mm-hmm. but this whole time um lupon goes to c- confront da vinci who he knows is in like a in the church or in like a nearby building yeah where he sort of like has his first encounter with da vinci and da vinci's like i knew you'd figure it out like da vinci seems to know of lupon and seem to have like great regard for him mm-hmm. and da vinci's like basically like I've got to tear down the world so I can rebuild it better. It's like, yeah. you know, basic villain he stuff. His, yeah, right. his, like, massive plot, which is basically to to tear down a, a new world and, like, basically, I guess, like, they're playing off of him being, like, a genius and he's like, yeah, in order to build something, right. you got to be able to deconstruct it. And he wants to deconstruct the world so he can reconstruct it more perfectly. God, like, no other, like, TV show, I feel like, would ever... <laughs> Make Leonardo da Vinci Vinci the villain. (laughs) And I think that that's beautiful. This is a beautiful show. It's it's awesome because da Vinci escapes on like a proto flying machine like one you would see in his (laughs) notes, but it's made out of like, it's made out of like an air duct. Yeah. It's wild. It looks looks more like a dragon like made out of just cloth and wood. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then we have kind of Nix's episode, which... Isn't really about Nyx, but it's like it's attached to this whole thing where like um Nyx is being threatened again by MI6 right. to do like one last job. In the opening of the video or in the opening of the episode, he literally takes a bullet for his daughter and then pretends like nothing happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> he is like really powering through this sniper bullet in his back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which then he passes out and MI6 use him because like the idea is that they're picking someone who, like, basically MI6 doesn't care about anymore, but they still have dirt on him. Yeah, exactly. So he's trying to steal this thing called the Dragon's Tail, which has gotten loose from MI6 somehow. And it's basically um, a list of all of the MI6 members' um, like code names and identities. So they need to get that back from this mercenary group that's ended up with it. Lupin is also there to steal it. And so the the whole issue is that the the mercenary group's trying to get the password to the dragon's tail, and as soon as they get it, because um, Lupin sort of like hacks it to make sure that Nix doesn't die, is they he he hacks this password, and now that it's been breached, and MI six like basically has a failsafe to know that the dragon shows up, which is basically just like d- wiping this entire mercenary island off of the map, right? <laughs> Like, they're sending in bombers, and they're sending in bombs and stuff, and just, like, they're really just, like, great, like, raising this entire place, Mm -hmm. because they can't let anyone go... It's, yeah, yeah, it's basically, like, the end of, like, the the first part of of, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, where they're just going (laughs) in and completely destroying uh, um, Mother Base. Yeah, and so, like... Uh, Nix was sent because they thought it was an inside job, and since he's not on the inside anymore, they could trust him at least. Yeah. And this is where Nix sort of, like, learns something from Lupin, because Nix talks about how, like, there's a zero chance of survival for us, we might as well just accept our deaths. And, um, Lupin's like, there's always a 50% chance. Right, either you live (laughs) or you die. (laughs) So, Nix, it seems like he gets shot, and they confirm him dead, so, um... Percival Givens is like, awesome, kill his family. <laughs> like, are you <laughs> kidding me, it. dude? Yeah, right. And so, 
But it turns out that Nyx is alive, and sort of this whole thing was like and a big ruse by Lupin and him. Fucking beats the shit out of Gibbons. Just absolutely yeah. beats the shit out of Gibbons. And it, like, there's this, and like, Jigen and Goemon show up, and they've saved them from the island. That's how they got out. And um, Da Vinci shows up. Right. Also. He stops uh, Nyx from murdering Gibbons. Right. Also, like, puts his finger inside Nyx's inner ear and, like, moves yeah. it, I think, back into its proper place. No, I think he 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 moves it so, like, it basically, it, he fucks up his inner ear so he's off balance for a bit. Yeah. For a he's while. Like, yeah, it's wild, yeah, he's basically though. like, he's like, you're not gonna be able to walk for, like, the next two or three days. Bye. Like, wh- <laughs> whenever I first saw that, I first thought he was, like, making it so that he wouldn't be able to do his, like, uh, echolocation anymore. Yeah, but, that's what I thought, too. But it, it, yeah. that's not what happened. So, so, Da Vinci shows up, and he ends up killing, um... Percival, because uh, Percival's like, oh, you know, I've I've got this plan to stop all you guys, and he's like, uh, no, I've got a plan to stop you. Right, and he kills him. It's no, it's it, the way he does it is so good. He like he like picks up the gun and he like he like sabotages it and then leaves it. Yeah. So when Percival turns it on him while he's walking away, it just blows up in his face. B- basically, Percival yeah. lights a cigar and his face blows up. <laughs> turns out da vinci was the informant and this is basically like part of da vinci's big game to like continue to fight against lupin who he sees as like his challenger yeah. or his rival this is like the emergence of like of like da vinci as like the main villain now as opposed to mi6 mm-hmm. right we then break from the plot once again for a really charming story about um lupin stealing this car yeah <laughs> but not like to do anything with it. He just, like, drives it around. Right. Yeah. I know we're gonna come back to it, but, like, this is my, this is my, like, favorite episode of all of them, Yeah, this is, this was a really sweet episode. It made me tear up a little bit at the end. It's just, like, it's just about, like, like, lovers and, like, learning to let go and to love, and it's, it's very sweet. It's, it's told, like, partially in, in modern day, but then also, like, when is it, like, the 50s or something, 40s or 50s, of this, like, singer and her manager, and the two of them are in love. But, like, she's really, like, playful and not at all serious, and she, and he's, like, losing his mind trying to keep her in line, but they love each other and all that. Um... And basically, Lupin basically steals the car to raise its value because Fujiko asked him to. Right, because yeah. Fujiko, like Fujiko's working with the guy who's trying to sell the car as like, hey, how do we make this more expensive? Well, what if Lupin stole it and then he brought it back and that would increase the value? Because the this manager, who I don't ever think is named, is like just trying to rid himself of all the things that remind him of this uh, this girl Nora. Mm-hmm. Who is comatose and the yeah on her deathbed basically through through Lupin's like heist he sort of like rekindles this this love again like remembers why he loves Nora so much and all the great things that they did together and is like I can't yeah. keep hiding these things to to escape the pain you know and like Nora dies like as uh, the the manager kind of like sings her famous song. Mm-hmm. On the car's last drive, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, I can hear that the- he ended up in our secret spot, kind of thing." It's it's very cute. Yeah, yeah, like like they they leave like the radio, so they hear along like the whole way, 
and he just has it memorized just by the sound and yeah they're right. like talking mm-hmm. through like oh you know you used to drive so fast through the turns and i hated it like i i hated i hated your driving but i loved how happy driving made you yeah. <laughs> right and it was just like really sweet yeah it yeah was good that that this was my favorite episode like easily then we, then we go then we get a one episode return to Japan mm-hmm. where yeah. Fujiko's enjoying a vacation um she seems to get kidnapped um and Lupin needs to show up and um and like return a like or to steal something to to get her back right and uh so it turns out this whole time it it wasn't even I like it was just pretending to see if um right it was just a prank bro for right basically where it's like uh, Fujiko and Goemon sh- uh, are the the two behind him it's like Fujiko bet that Lupin would drop everything to come save her right but then wait a minute Goemon's still in Italy what <laughs> it turns out that it's a double prank right it's <laughs> it's this new hotshot detective. That they, like, talked about early on just because he shows up in the newspaper. Akechi Holmes Kosuke, who, <laughs> like, seems like a, like a different anime character. Right. He's, like, he, like, it seems like he comes from a different series because he's, like, first of all, he's named Holmes. And second of all, like, his thing is that he wears, like, he wears, like, traditional Japanese clothing. It's very he's Phoenix got- right. And he's got two sidekicks, right? One who's like a little Watson who's wearing like a, Sher- uh, a Sherlock Holmes get I love get up. the tiny detective so much. <laughs> and, just, and just this cop. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cop lady. Like it honestly, it is very like Ace Attorney, like like Apollo Justice these are, almost. Yeah, these are easily the kind of characters that they could have made a spinoff for if they really wanted to. <laughs> so, um... Akechi is sort of like is like, ha, I finally caught, you know, Lupin, the bi- you know, the big cheese, uh, better than Zinigata. Right. And he just lets Fujiko go because he doesn't see her as a threat, basically. Yeah, right. He's, he he's real sexist. He's not chivalrous. Like he's he's definitely like almost an antithesis to, to Zinigata, where he's like maybe more effective, but he's also like a horrible he's person. He's also more full of himself where he leaves himself op- like wide open to being taken advantage of. Yeah, he also leaves himself open because, like, what <laughs> this is the best like double play where, um, oh yes, <laughs> where uh, Zenigata shows up to get Lupin, and Akechi has sort of like gotten this idea that you know, oh, his friends are gonna break him out, so he's like, he's just going at Zenigata's face trying to figure out if it's d- a disguise. Yeah, <laughs> and he's and it's it turns out it's the real Zenigata, and he's like. Uh, what are you doing? And like, just belittles him and like, just makes fun of him, like calling him a fool and a, you know, a fraud. Like, how did you let this guy capture you, Lupin? Lupin. Yeah. And Akechi just like, really takes it seriously because he's so conceited. And so Zinagata drives away and then, oh, what's this? Zinagata was tied up in the bathroom. (laughs) Oh my God. So so they chase down what they think is a fake Zinagata in like this armored tank. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. And so they do that, um, they pull, they, they end up pulling this Zenigata over by, like, placing a, a, like, a firecracker underneath the, the tank. Like a little sparkler or something. <laughs> right, to make it seem like it's breaking. And then it turns out that the Zenigata in the bathroom was the fake the whole time, and also Fujiko. Yeah! <laughs> so Fujiko and Lupin drive this armored police tank 
um, out of the city and like use this cannon as um, <laughs> as like a ramp and shoot over him and like just totally annihilate this poor this uh, this detective. I almost said poor detective, but he's not yeah. poor. He's a bad person, right? And it turns out he's bald. What an asshole! Yeah, it turns out his perfect wig is just or perfect hair is just a fucking wig. Yeah, his perfect yeah. hair is just a wig. And what's great is that his um, his sidekick can't even tell it's him yeah, without the hair. That was a good bit. I right. really liked that. When he just ran by and he was like, Akechi, where are you? And Fujiko is just like, I never want to come to Japan again. Right, Fujiko's like, I hate Japan. And Lupin's like, no, you don't. Check this out. And they both like kind of sit and watch Mount Fuji at sunset and like, yeah, you're right. Japan's okay. Yeah. It's no Italy who paid for this anime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get... Kind of our final non-story episode, which is, like, uh, this heist off between Lupin and Rebecca. So, uh, Lupin's, like, going through all these banks and not stealing anything. Right, he's just going through all these bills and, like, leaving them in giant piles. Right, and meanwhile, Rebecca's set on stealing Lupin away. And so, like, they keep dropping traps on each other, (laughs) trying to get to the banks first. I like that, too. And so, like, Rebecca ends up catching him as he, like, finds the the one stack of bills he's looking for in the last bank in San Marino. It's always the last bank you look in. Yeah. And, like, it's it's kind of this flirty thing between them where they're leaving messages between yeah, each other and, like, the these messages. more elaborate chaps each time. Yeah, it's like, hey, you should go to bed. Little girls shouldn't be up that late. Yeah. And then Rebecca basically sends back, like, fuck you. And like leaves and leaves a turret, leaves an auto turret for him. Right, and Lupin leaves a sex doll of himself, and he's like, "Hey, you can sleep with this tonight." (laughs) That's odd, so good. And so it turns out this whole thing was like a bet with Jigen, where Jigen's like, "I bet you can't find this bill in one of the banks in San Marino by the end of the day, and if you can find it." You don't have to clean the hideout for a year. Like, this whole thing is just because Lupin didn't want to clean the fucking hideout. Right. This was another really good one. (laughs) I I, I think this episode's really interesting because you sort of see, like, like, Rebecca really developing feelings for Lupin, which has been, like, sort of this thing, like, throughout the series. Like, I mean, like, it started as the sham, but she's sort of started to grow to love Lupin. Yeah. And, like, there's this scene where, like, she's crying because she can't be with him, and Lupin sort of, like, gives her this out and, like, says, like, I hate seeing girls pretend to cry. Like, he knows, <laughs> right. like, she's actually, like, sad, but he's trying to, like, give her an out, like, oh, you caught me trying to trick you, Lupin. Ah, uh, you got me. And it's, like, I, I, it's a really sweet yeah. gesture, I think. Right, and sort of, like, The idea behind this is that, like, she loves Lupin in some ways because Lupin is, like, the one thing that she can't have. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the idea is that he's the best of the best, he's always eluding her grasp, and this was a a, a chance for her to actually capture him. And uh, Robson, the, the butler, who's, like, this whole time kind of been, like, against Rebecca doing all this stuff, like, points out that, like, as soon as, like, she doesn't actually want this. Because as mm-hmm. soon as she gets Lupin, Lupin's not desirable right. anymore. Right. He's, he's not the best. Like, he's not the Lupin she fell in love with as soon as he catches, or as soon right. as she catches him. No, yeah, no, it's actually uh, uh, Fujiko who says that. 
Like, cause, cause she's Does sitting, Kushiko say? Well, I yeah. think they both may bring it up. They, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they talk about it together, but oh, she's Rob's, the one. Right, Robson and Fujiko are talking to each other, like, cause they're both, like, looking after people. Like, Fujiko's like, I was here to check in on Lupin. Yeah. I guess you're here to check in on, uh, Rebecca. Yeah, and then, like, yeah, they're having, they're talking about, like, basically how the, the two people they're watching are both fools. And like, but, but like, they're kind of talking about the two of them as, as an item too. And she's basically like, and I feel like she talks a little bit about herself at the same time too, or she's like, it, you know, it, it's like that the ironic thing is if, if she, she, there's no way she can win. Cause if she has him, he's not going to be the loop on that, that she fell in love with. So either move is a losing move at this point. Right. And so they both run out and loop on like does this big, um, escape. And what's hilarious about this is like, oh, I have to protect Rebecca's identity so people don't know that she's like moonlighting as a thief. So oh, yeah. she puts this one, <laughs> this 100 euro note in front of her face that's got like, you know, the, the mark on it. Mm-hmm. And no one knows who she is thanks to this 100 euro note in front of her face. I mean, she could be anybody. Yeah. Everybody in Italy's got the Rebecca hairstyle now. Uh, then Robson shoots a bazooka to, to save them from the police. Uh, <laughs> Rob and Rebecca make amends, and Fujiko and Lupin sort of, like, play around a little. Like, Fujiko steals the 100-euro note. Right, just to mess with them. And then it's like, oh no, now I have to clean the... <laughs> the, uh, the hideout. Then we sort of run into, um, we have the, the, the final two episodes of the Japanese TV run. Which is the, the World Dissection. Oh, okay, so this was, like, a sort of ending that makes sense, because it felt very much like a finale. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a oh, sec. Oh, you're talking about, yeah, I know what you're talking so, about. So the world dissection, <laughs> Da Vinci has been busy, he's ready to redesign the world, and sort of, like, he, he ends up, like, taking over the airwaves all across Italy and announcing this new exhibit in San Marino called World Harmony. And uh, after it, he sets off this high-pitched noise, which puts all of Italy into a coma. Just straight yeah. up, all of them fall into a coma simultaneously. <laughs> I love, I love so much the news broadcast where they're like, breaking news, everybody in Italy is unconscious. <laughs> I love that so much. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> so Da Vinci has like forced himself into everyone's mind and sort of like, the idea is that whatever the person is the best at he challenges them. And if they can beat him, they return to their body and they get to join the world. Otherwise, Da Vinci's like personality that he's implanted in there using this Dream of Italy's technique um, takes over. And that's right. his way of yeah. redesigning the world. See, he weeds out all of the people that are too weak and then um, implants himself otherwise. Like, and yeah. then otherwise lets those people live. Right. This is a, a really cool montage of like, like the Lupin gang doing what they're best at and sort of like scenarios where they're not at their best. Like, um, Goemon has to use like, um, a European sword instead of a right, Japanese he has to use like sword. a fencing sword. Yeah. Right. Versus like a real broad sword. <laughs> right. Yeah. Versus like a, like a, like a saber. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Jigen has to like fight with like an old timey gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, Da Vinci's got a shotgun. Right. Um, Lupin just, like, has to, like, find Da Vinci, basically. Well, basically what Lupin does is he figures out entirely what Da Vinci is up to. Right, he's like, oh, I already know your plan. He's like, well, shit, I guess you win. 
Yeah. Well, okay, you did it. <laughs> F- Fujiko's challenge is that she cheats at gambling. Right. I don't know how in a dream she got the the ace up her panties, but okay. It owns uh, so much. My favorite uh. is Zinagata, who just judo throws Leonardo da Vinci, and that's how he wins. Right, because this is an arrest attempt. Yeah, he has to arrest. <laughs> I love it so it's much. It's awesome. Where it's just like cutting through all of the uh, all of the characters, and then it just cuts to like <laughs> like Leonardo <laughs> Vinci being like thrown into like a police car because <laughs> he's under yeah. arrest because he's handcuffed. I love it. So yeah, Da Vinci hopes to like push evolution of humans further, and it turns out that Rebecca failed her challenge because it seems like she couldn't really figure out what she's the best at. Like you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. She couldn't buy Leonardo da Vinci. Which kind of works, because, like, her whole thing was she was, like, you know, a Jill of all trades. Like, she would do everything. Right, and sort of, like, following after Lupin. So Mm -hmm. it kind of fits with her character, because, like, she's really good at things. She's good at a lot of things, but she's not, like, the best at anything. She's probably probably better at, at a wider variety of things than any other character in the show, I would say. Right, especially fashion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so when she fails her challenge, it's, it's noted that, you know, her personality is going to die and Davinci is going to take over. And Lupin's like, uh, nope, that's my wife. <laughs> yeah. Because even though they've been at odds this whole time, like, there's definitely, like, Lupin understands, oh, this is my wife, I should help her. And so right. uses Davinci's machine, which he's built to insert himself into Rebecca's dream, creating two personalities within her dream. And uh, it's a really cool scene. Like, I love, like, the idea is basically just Lupin's personality and Da Vinci's personality fighting it out in this bizarre surrealist world while the actual Lupin and Da Vinci are just, like, talking to each other. Like, They're, like, oh, sitting around and smoking. And the world itself is being built from the deconstructed memories from Rebecca and everybody else in, in the city. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, on, it's a really abstract, really interesting and it's cool that, like, Lupin enters um, Rebecca's consciousness in their wedding. And, like, as soon as the wedding sort of, like, they, they get to the rings, everything just crumbles behind yeah. them and just destroys from the inside out as Da Vinci's, like, castle appears. Yeah. So we have sort of this, this fight between Da Vinci and Lupin, kind of, like, you know, a Lupin's trying to to reach Rebecca at the top of this tower, and Da Vinci is sort of like creating the world and sort of like adjusting it every time Lupin tries to to get somewhere. And eventually, it's like you know, on the outside, Da Vinci and Lupin are talking to each other, and uh, Da Vinci's like, oh, "So Lupin, you're like a genius. You're like the best. Why why waste your talent on being a thief?" And Lupin's just like, "Yeah, that's who I am." You know, it's, it's as simple as that. That's, that's just who I yeah. am. That's, that's what hey, I do. It's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lupin kind of asked the same question of Da Vinci, where it's like, well, why do you do all this stuff? Why do you do painting? Why are you an inventor? And he also responds, well, I guess it's because I'm Da Vinci. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's about who you are that ends up defining what you do. And... <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit different because, you know, Da Vinci's like a clone. So it's like, literally, it's because, you know, he's been programmed to be this person. But it's an, it's an interesting thing. 
So finally, within the dream, Lupin reaches Rebecca and sort of like using um, the their wedding ring that he took during the the flashback when he entered the mind. He's able to to fill um, Rebecca's personality, which has been dying, with all of her memories and return Rebecca to life. And Lupin's like, you know, now it's your chance to create a world, something that only you can do. Right. So she creates this like version of Italy for her swallowing da vinci's work and uh in order to now like you know keep uh rebecca safe a uh, dream lupon commits suicide and shoots da vinci at the same time yeah. yeah removing them from rebecca's dream she's saved and it turns out that this whole thing is also because da vinci's personality was like too much for his um his body his clone body yeah right so he can't like his personality couldn't be contained in it so he's been rapidly dying and this was his his hope to like live on throughout the rest of the world but all of the lupon personalities that got inserted into right. everyone's mind like it turns out all the da that this is happening on a wide scale literally everybody in italy is dreaming of lupon the third saving them from leonardo da vinci and i love <laughs> anime i wish that would happen in my real life yeah, yeah. That, that was yeah so lupon kind of leaves da vinci in his like in in like his office or whatever so kind of to live there to to live on in the memories of all these people one thing like one little side note that i thought was really interesting like where this is all happening like the final kind of confrontation with leonardo da vinci is like the exact same square where they had the the confrontation with the uh, nicks where they both got taken out like that en- that ended like the first half of the the show. I thought it was interesting that the first half and the second half both kind of reach a conclusion in like the same place. It's like yeah. uh, poetry; they rhyme. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. exactly like that. And so the the official the official ruling goes out that like Lupin pretended to be Da Vinci and caused mass comas for no reason, <laughs> and that's like that's the story they're going with. Right. I forgot yeah. that that was the official report. <laughs> they figured it out. They did it. <laughs> Yep. Then Lupin and Rebecca have one last meeting where sort of like Lupin sort of denies his help like, you know, you saved yourself ultimately. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she pulls out the fact that she never turned in their marriage registration form, which means that at any point she could just become, you know, uh Mrs. Lupin. Mhm. But he seems fine with kind of letting it go. You know, kind of like he—he's ready to sort of like distance himself. Like he's done what he wanted, and he feels like Rebecca has developed enough that she doesn't need this either. Yes. So, and but the whole thing is that Rebecca just wants Lupin to like watch her grow to become someone he can't help but steal. Is like the way that she puts it. It's yeah. Like, you know, I—I I just want you to be able to pay attention, and if you hear uh, the name Mrs. Lupin, you'll know that it's me, and you'll be able to to keep track of me. <laughs> and like he does kind of pass along his name to her like he's like yeah you can be mrs lupon i'll follow you around the world and yeah. that's kind of the the end of the story yeah she decides to tear up to tear up the uh the the paperwork and yeah i guess with like the intention of eventually winning him back over and he's like okay the terms are fair i'm i'm all right with this <laughs> and yeah. he leaves right he has to get out of Italy. It's too hot there. Yeah. So these last two episodes, um, in, in the in the like Crunchyroll listing, were 
originally just placed uh, further up in the Italian airing. In the Japanese airing, they weren't even included on the TV uh, airing. So they were Blu-ray exclusive specials. Mm-hmm. And you get, and you can understand kind of why they're right. a lot less attached to the development of the characters and everything. Both of them are sort of like Rebecca's making a movie and Lupin gets involved. Right. Yeah. Kind of like both weird, like interesting, like they don't quite fit with the rest of the series, but they're yeah. very like interesting episodes. They were they were good, but they but at the same time to me they felt like the weakest episodes. Like the last two. Maybe it was because they came right after like in you know, watching right. them in our order. Yeah, it's 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 because of the order, I think. Uh well with me, like I I finished episode twenty-four and then I didn't watch these two episodes till like two days later and I was like, oh hey, I'm back with my buddies, Lupin the Third. It's <laughs> like So in the first one there's like a zombie attack as Lupin and Rebecca meet up to sign divorce papers. Yeah. And it turns out like and like the zombies attack, they're doing this whole scripting thing, and it turns out that literally this whole thing is just so that um, Rebecca can use Lupin as a prop for her new horror movie, right. horror it's, romance movie. It's like a jackass. It's all alive. It's all yeah. It's, it's the dirty grandpa of zombie movies, and like yeah. Rebecca keeps doing it like two or three times, right? Where it's like, I thought you'd be happy being a star, and it's like, no. You know, I I want to be known for my thievery. I can't just, like, become a public face now. And, you know, keeps dragging it in. But it turns out that, um, you know, Rebecca has had a plan this whole time to, mm-hmm. to protect Lupin and use, like, his natural reactions, which is the reason that they were doing this in the first place, is they made him a zombie in post-production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like... And, like, changed his voice. Right. It's like, oh, you can't be in love with me. It's a, I'm a zombie. Yeah. Right. They make it a story where her love for, for her, her zombie husband just lives on post, post-mortem. post <laughs> Right, instead of like, I love this international thief. But yeah. it also kind of feels like this is an episode about like Rebecca trying to get some stuff off of her chest about this relationship. Yeah, that too. Right. Like, she just says things to him and he's like, uh, sure. <laughs> Now, the, the last one here is, I think, of the two, my favorite, and I think would have helped a lot to be in the um, the story. This is interesting, because this could have been, like, literally the first episode of the yeah, series. Yeah, this is, this is almost like a prequel. Yeah, so it's it's about the first time that Rebecca and Lupin met. Like, even before the, the card thing. Like, yeah. Lupin doesn't even know that this is the first time they met. Well, Rebecca doesn't. No, Lupin doesn't. Oh, Rebecca finds well, out by the end. Well, he, Lupin's trying to rescue Rebecca because he wants to kidnap her. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. It is. Yeah. Well, okay. Rebecca is kidnapped on a runaway train. Right. By, like, an otaku who's really, who's, like, really into her. It's like, marry me or I'll blow up this train. And she's like, gross. I'm not marrying you. He's like, I'm going to kill you then. I would rather die with you than not be married to you. So Lupin like gets beat to the punch in kidnapping Rebecca. Right. Zinigata handcuffs him, uh, handcuffs him on the way, and so they're attached through a, <laughs> just like a bunch of really like goofy situations. They lose the key, so like they're stuck to each other, and so so Zinigata and Lupin it's have to work Lupin together. The third twin sanity callback. 
I really love the, the, the ridiculous bit because, like, basically he dined and dashed at a sushi restaurant. And, like, every time something like that happens, sushi just inadvertently falls into uh, Zenigata's mouth. And he gets so pissed. He's like, stop eating my food, you motherfucker. <laughs> so, like, the, the whole thing is, like, Zenigata and Lupin work together to, to stop this nerd who kidnapped her. And, like, through a bunch of wacky situations, they end up doing it. But, like, they have this whole awful part where the, the train drifts going over this really tight mm. curve. Because no one's at the controls. And they use this this fat otaku, uh, his weight, to to keep it on track, and then he gets arrested. <laughs> Lupin runs away, and so Rebecca and Lupin don't meet, but Lupin has, like, in order to, like, throw the otaku off his guard, is like, I'm, you know, I'm Rebecca's fiancé. So she learns yeah. about that and sort of learns about Lupin's work in saving her, and, like, she finds it really charming. Like, oh, this great thief came just for me. And what I find really um, cool about it is, like, this they, they're, like, at the movie debut, but Rebecca isn't there. She's, like, thinking about the first time she met Lupin. She's at the, um... The church they got ma- married. Yeah, yeah where, they, where they got married. And it's, like, and it's, like, it rekindles this spark in her that, like, you never really get the idea that she's, like, truly in love with Lupin till near the end. But yeah. this, I think this episode does a really good job of that, because, like, she ends up leaving the chapel, um, holding her dress like a bride, sort of like, you know, doing the walk and kind of like reliving that moment. It's really, I think it's really sweet. And I think it works really well in a way that would have fit back in, like in the TV broadcast. Yeah. It's kind of a shame that it wasn't with the rest of it. It actually does in a weird way kind of work as like a final episode. Cause like, yeah, it is like a kind of reminiscing like, wow. I mean, even though, like, obviously, at the very beginning, Lupin's still sitting in Italy, so, like, time-wise, it doesn't quite work, but, like, it does kind of work as, like, a little kind of, like, reflection after all of that crazy shit happened. Right. And it's kind of, like, it's sort of, like, nice to be back to sort of, like, a zany, like, slapsticky sort of thing. Like, it's kind of relaxing after all that. And that's Lupin the Third Part Four. Yeah, I had to get a little fast there because it was definitely taking a while. It still took a while. Oops. Right. But like, it's it's a really good series. I think it does like this blending of sort of like episodic and like plot well in terms of its structure. It's I think it's a really solid series that they do and like does justice. I think to to the culture of Italy. Mm-hmm. In a way that, like, really shows that, like, they really care about setting in that. Because it's sort of, like, all over international otherwise, but this one's, like, pretty firmly set almost exclusively in um, San Marino. Right. It- it's got a great sense of place with that. And uh, it's just a good series. Watch it, I guess. Yeah, do that. <laughs> I think it's all free on Crunchyroll. Yeah, it's all free on Crunchyroll, and they do HD for free now. You just have to watch ads, so it's pretty nice. And once the dub's done, um, Discotech Media will be releasing a Blu-ray of it. Or Funimation, one of the two. Well, maybe it gets better. (laughs) Well, I mean, you'd still be able to access it, you know. um, I mean, you don't have to watch dubbed. Right, it'll have the subs on it. It's not like uh, one of those old VHSs where you have to pay extra for the dub. Right, 
And then it's got a bunch of rude comments to other people, like Miami Mike. Oh, no. But yeah, so, um, let's, let's really, like, talk about this. Like, we got to some of these discussions, like, in the middle of, kind of, the, the episode talks anyways. But I wanted to, kind of, like, really, like, dive deep into some of this stuff. The first thing uh, I really wanted to talk about is how Part 4 fits as a revival series. Again, first time in over 30 years that a, a proper Lupin series has hit TV. And, you know, they talk about wanting to kind of combine old fans, new fans, make something that everyone's happy with. Um, How do you feel Part 4 does, and what are the things about Part 4 that you feel, like, show this sort of, like, development, this evolution? Well, one thing I think that's really interesting is that it it feels, like, a little bit old school in its approach, where, like, it has, like, these episodes that do follow like a plot but like a lot of the episodes are sort of like just one-off like interesting adventures and i i really appreciate that i mean like yeah there's a lot of heisting the original the original series i feel like were always extremely episodic to where you could just jump into an episode and you'd be good to go and a lot of the episodes fit that really well like there's only really, there's really only maybe like six of them where you're kind of like, what the fuck's going on? Where I mean, like if you were to jump in as the first episode you saw, you'd be like, what the fuck? But other than that, like, why is Lupin the Third fighting Leonardo da Vinci in this flying castle? Yeah, but like <laughs> most of them, most of them, you could you could just jump into it and be good to go, um, not knowing everything about every character, including the mm-hmm. new characters like Rebecca. And I think. That's why Lupin the Third's like simplistic characters really work out for a series like this. Mm-hmm. Because like Jigen and Goemon aren't like the most complicated characters in the world, but I think that they do a good job of getting across like a good amount of emotion from both of them. But yeah, like but at the same time tying together the whole like um you know, dual nature of like what they were trying to go for with this, they still give them characterization and they still tie things together and make things feel really organic in in some ways. Mm-hmm. So, they did a pretty good job. Yeah, and like one one thing I really appreciate is that like with sort of like modern anime technology, we get an art style that is a lot closer to like the original manga than some yeah. of the anime stuff before it has been. So, in that way it also feels like this this throwback, like this real return to form kind of thing. Right, if only it was in CG, then it'd be perfect. Man, yeah, the, uh, totally. Some of the fight scenes where they use, like, really squiggly art style, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some, like, like with some Nyx fight scenes that go with this really, like, heavily sketched art style, and I'm yeah, way into that. That was pretty cool. Like, they did it maybe only, like, two or three times, but it was kind of like, oh, wow, that's... It was really effective. That's kind of neat. And I think it does a good job of, like, sort of having a Lupin for everybody kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Lupin's definitely doing some, like, big heist stuff, but he's also, like, you know, he's he's kind of a sweetheart in this series, you know? Like, right. he's never, he's never like, actively, like, antagonistic towards anyone, really, at least not without purpose. Yeah. Right, he's a very Bugs Bunny-esque figure. <laughs> and, like, 
he yes, he's totally got his goal to like steal stuff, but it's like sometimes he just drops his goal to help people. Mm-hmm. Like when he helps out the the group of teachers and he throws away, you know, the thing he got. Or when he, in the middle of helping Bridget, you know, he he loses all of the the jewels he got. Like he he's definitely like got a sense of justice above that that I think makes him easier to connect to as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. He he's very much a thief with a heart of gold. Right, and he's charming because of it. Uh, but he stole that heart of gold from who? Oh, wow. That's the greatest mystery of all. <gasps> wow. <laughs> but yeah, like I I think that it it does it does sort of like mix sort of like an older style anime where it's like episodic, it's sort of like meant to kind of be a jump in anywhere sort of thing and this plot where like you take these episodes that are disparate and you find ways to connect them either through the characters through some reveal for like you know oh this this thing that they were stealing was attached to this you know this other thing that's going on behind the scenes with mi6 kind of thing i think it ties together all these different ideas well and like there's a there's very clearly an arc through it, like Nick's, you know, leaving MI6 and then being reused. There's this there's this whole arc to it that I think wouldn't feel the same if there wasn't also a plot pushing things forward. Mm. Like there's definitely like a, a good blend of sort of like individual episodes and sort of plot where you get the idea that there is development, especially for these these new characters, like they bring in these characters specifically to develop amongst a cast of characters that have already been, like, so fleshed out so many times before. Yeah. But are still, like, instantly relatable and understandable. Yeah. It's a good TV show. Yeah, I like it. I give it. <laughs> no, not yet. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and I think, like, the, the the reuse of music, the way that, like, the, uh, the, the leitmotif of Lupin's theme pops up throughout the tracks really works well, like, you do get this like nostalgic feeling of sort of big band stuff because that's just like that's not the style anymore, and Lupin mm-hmm. still oozes that particular style. Like so many yeah. things about it are timeless that show up here. Like the fact that they basically don't use technology. He's still yeah, driving like, that car, right? Sometimes he uses a laptop, but that's about it. Well, and and characters have smartphones. Well, like Rebecca feels like a bit more like. She's like the high tech one. She's got all this technology and like smartphones and stuff. Yeah. Well, she they have some of the same tech. They both have that wrist thing too though. <laughs> yeah, but like Lupin has high stuff and like but he still doesn't really u- like he uses a laptop to look some stuff up. That's and, like, true. Chess. Like like he's mostly just using his um his wristwatch uh grappling hook. The 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 most high tech thing he ever did was was he did he did hack into MI six to be fair, <laughs> right? But like this show is very clearly of twenty fifteen because they kept saying like oh Trump will never be in office <laughs> oh, no <laughs> no but like the, it still gives off this real timeless feel like you know this could be really any time for Lupin it doesn't yeah. matter because these things would still be there to be stolen right you, you know his mission wouldn't really change. It certainly doesn't try to highlight the technology, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, a lot of these with, like, very minor rewrites could have taken place in, you know, 1970, 1980. That's true, yeah. So, like, a lot of these things just feel, like, it it does a great job of feeling modern and timeless. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I would agree. 
especially just these characters are so well developed, you don't have to do anything with them. It's just like, here they are again, doing this thing, you know? Like, it just feels good in that way. Right. Um, since I kind of pushed our way forward, um, you know, throughout, throughout sort of the, the, the plot synopsis, um, let's talk about some of our just, like, favorite heists or favorite individual episodes from this series, like, and just what it is about them that, like, that, that makes them, you know, so charming to us. Um, I really loved, um, the hotel episode. I just... I thought like Lupin and Jigen's react or like interactions with each other was like so good, mm-hmm. and I I I really love Jigen's Japanese like voice because he just he's got like this weird sort of old man sounding voice and it's like just it's a just, little gruff. Yeah, this yeah. is a very gravelly voice, and he's like just complaining. It's like gruff, but also like a little bit high. And it's just like, yeah, it's just a good voice. He comes off as a cartoon character. He's like, he's like so complainy and he's drunk. It's really good. <laughs> right. But also uh, in Lupin's day off, like I really love like Lupin, Jigen and Goemon just like in a car. That's what and, I like, was going to bring up. Realizing yeah. that they have nothing to talk right. about. <laughs> that was... I- that part of it is my favorite thing. Like, as a whole, it's like, eh. But my favorite part is, like, they're all going to go get sushi in Italy, first of mm-hmm. all. Like, they yeah. can't break that part of their roots. <laughs> but also, they're driving this car, and, like, Lupin's trying to make small talk. Like, oh, how do you take care of your beard kind of things with, like, Jigen. And Jigen's like, shut the fuck up. And <laughs> Lupin's like, uh, we have nothing to talk about. He's like, yeah, this is our job. Like, you get this real, like kind of the conflicting like no nonsense sort of thing from Jigen and like the goofy attitude from Lupin is really great and the way that Goemon is like constantly flustered by things like when he has to talk to um he has to talk to those girls who are into the dog and they're like oh what's your name <laughs> talking to the dog and he's just like oh Goemon <laughs> they think the dog's name's Goemon it's, just a, it's, it's so a dumb good. goof but it's really good it's so good like they're a great thing about it is like you get the personality of all these characters outside of when they're doing heist stuff because they're just driving a car. <laughs> yeah. And like the the part where Goemon's like um, walking the dog and then later out of frame, it's like, hey, we got a problem. And he holds it up and the dog's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then like um, Jigen's getting really pissed because like, why aren't you fucking apologize for losing the dog? He's like, I told you we had a problem. Is that not enough? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's not an apology. Right, but still, then we learn that, like, they're so in tune when the, um, in the, like, the murder game one, where it's, like, just with a single glance, they all already knew what they were gonna do, they already knew the plan, what was set up, like, they, they may not have anything to talk about, but, like, as a unit, they are super strong, and I think there's a good, like, sense of that. Like, Jigen and, like, Goemon, like, literally are, like, inches away from, like, killing each other, but they're just, like, so in sync that they know, like, exactly <laughs> where to strike. Yeah. It's, right. like, really good. It's, like, this super intense scene. Okay, it's- okay, so I want to I wanna understand something about that. So, in that, it looks like um, Fujiko gets stabbed in the chest, right? Right. And when she shows up later, the knife is still sticking out. 
Did it get stopped by her corset or did it get stopped by her breasts? I think she literally just like stuffed it in between her boobs and it's holding it there. Okay. She's using the corset to hold her boobs together. No, I, yeah, I think it's supposed to be both. Like basically it's bound so tight that like the knife could be stuck in there without pen, without like, you know, breaking the skin. God, what a stupid fucking thing. Like, I mean, that's a tiny knife. There's no way it's getting past those bazongos. <laughs> Dang! Woo! A wooga! <laughs> Wowza! <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, uh, yeah. And, like, maybe they're not my favorite, but the fact that each of them gets an episode is, like, really nice. Like, yeah. basically a solo <laughs> episode. You know, Fujiko does all the work in that episode where um, Akechi shows up. You know, mm-hmm. Jigen does his own event. Goemon's, even though it's, like, kind of messy overall i think it's really nice that like we do get this idea about his past and like you know we know that he's like an assassin so like what his job was before he like started palling around with lupon for no reason mm-hmm. and like even zenigata and Nyx get like sort of episodes yeah. which is yeah. nice and rebecca gets a lot of development throughout the whole thing there's not really a rebecca episode though no mm-hmm uh, some other episodes, um, I, th- I think we all talked about how much we, we loved the, the, the car episode. Yeah, no, that one's my personal right. favorite, like, I, I, it, like, it's just a really good sentimental episode, and, like, the character of the, uh, the manager is really interesting, because he's just so stoic, he seems like, he seems like the kind of person who just doesn't like anybody. He has a soft spot, like, exclusively for his wife, you know? Um, and it's just, he's, it's just, it's kind of interesting, because he's so bitter, he's just like, I don't care, just get rid of the fucking car. Um, and he's just, he's always, and he's like, I, you know, like, when Lupin's whistling, or singing her song, the, the singer's song, at one point, um, when he's, like, undercover or something, um, and he's just like, never fucking sing that song around me, I hate that song. You know, like, he's just this really prickly, coarse person, like, this bitter old man. And, like, to have him go from that character to him kind of just, you know, like, you know, in more ways than one, taking a trip down memory lane as, as the, the, you know, the speaker's on and he gets to overhear Lupin doing his final joyride before he leaves the car at its final rest. And, you know, it's, it's his final moments with his wife. It's, it's, yeah, it's really good. This is one where, like, Lupin isn't exactly chivalrous, but, like, his, his like, motivations change partway through. Yeah, exactly. Especially because the, the car is so busted that he can't drive it anyways. Yeah. Right. Like, what's awesome is, like, the, uh, they've set up this whole thing where he's gonna, like, drive into this truck afterwards to, like, return it, but he can't turn left in the thing, so he just totally passes it by and Zinigata doesn't get to catch him. He's like, well, I'll just take it for a ride, you know? Yeah. And sort of like, he's left with this walkie-talkie, and he's like, oh, hey, um, Mr. Manager, you know, you can hear this, right? Uh, hope you enjoy this last ride of your car. And it has, like, a real good, like, human element to it. Yeah. Turned out the heist in that episode was Lupin stealing our heart. Oh, <laughs> like... As far as, like, my favorite, like, heist in terms of, like, wacky zany shit, I don't know. Um, the hotel was extremely good. And, like, uh, 
the face-off between Rebecca and um, Lupin. Oh, mm, that yeah. That one's good. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I really like the one... Um, where it's the 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 wife of the billionaire, just because it's just you, the whole time you're kind of like, what the hell's going on? And like everybody's deceiving everybody. It's it's really interesting to me. There are so many crosses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it. There there are definitely a lot of good episodes in this. I just wanted us to kind of like look at some of our favorites and which ones like really like spoke to us because I definitely did think that like the car one was really strong. Yeah, and like. Just the the conclusion of um, episode twenty six, just where like if it were placed in the the TV broadcast where it was supposed to be, like we sort of get that first inkling of like Rebecca really does love Lupin because of what he's done for her and what he means to her, and it's not just this like means to an end like they've been treating it before. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. just Rebecca's whole arc is really cool, I think. Just like as yeah. as yeah. as as, a, as an original character, they find a way is like yes, she's involved in the plot, but she's not overbearing and she also like has this actual emotional like development to her that's really interesting because it's like she starts out kind of like bratty and as we learn more about her, we learn about sort of like the the hang-ups she's had because of her dead like lover. And the way that she gets over that and the way it, you know, kind of develops from there. Yeah, she, like, she's a new character, but she slots very well into, like, the dynamic of the show. Yeah. Which is nice. She ends up being, like, the most interesting character to me, probably in part because she is new. And she is well-written. Um, but yeah, it's like, you kind of want to know, like, what's what's going on with her. Like, because, like, she's just... It's it's kind of like you the first when you're first introduced to her you she seems perfect you know you, you, she seems mm-hmm. like she can just do anything she wants and she's like amazing at it um, and then you dig more into her you see some more of her hangups and some you know some things that like maybe stick out to her as shortcomings and stuff and then you know she gets a chance to overcome it and yeah she doesn't hijack the show she doesn't you know overstep like. You know, like as the new character in in a very established franchise, you don't suddenly go, "Oh, okay, now this is what we're doing." Like she, she yeah, she slots in very well. Like she fits as like an extra character, and like I, I kind of end up wishing, like she, you know, like if they ever made more, that she would just show up because I really yeah. like her as a character. Uh, I think that's a good segue, Chorps. What do you think about like the future of Lupin the Third? Like, do you think? Oh, well, I already know they're making a part five. <laughs> Oh, they are? Hell yes. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. They announced a part five, I think for next year, that's going to take place in France, the home of the original Lupin story. Nice. Oh. That sounds really good. I'm, I'm pumped. Right. That's where the Mona Lisa lives. It's all, that is also where the Mona Lisa lives. You're right. God. Oh, man. That'll be good. I'm, I'm, oh, man. <laughs> I wonder what color his jacket's going to be. What if Lupin the Third meets Lupin the original? <gasps> Oh my god. What if he has to fight Sherlock Holmes the third? Oh man. <laughs> There's so many possibilities. I'm so excited. Oh. <sighs> Do you think uh Rebecca will be in it? I don't probably not. I don't probably think Probably so. not. I would I would imagine she would show up <laughs> Unless, for like one. At least episode. not as like a major player. I assume that maybe she pops up in like a headline, you know, that pops yeah. up or something. 
She, right. she shows up in like um, specifically yeah, one I, I'm episode. I'm interested to see like what new things they really bring to the table because I feel like they did such a good job with that in this series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What like like uh, and I actually kind of hope that they go back to like the same kind of weird supernatural hyper you know like like deep tech you know c- government <laughs> conspiracy shit. I kind of hope they go back into that because that was fun. Also, mm-hmm. I hope Lupin's a teenager and that he's in high school <laughs> and also in a virtual reality game. But Fujiko still has big boobies. Well, and yeah. she like trips She's into like Lupin or something. Right. But yeah, like the whole like uh clone of Da Vinci MI6 conspiracy, that that shit was top notch and I hope they do more of that. Yeah. Yeah, good as hell. <laughs> So one thing, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but something I wanted to go a little more into is just the, the portrayal of the cast, at least the ones that are, like, pre-established characters, right? So we already went a little bit into Lupin, sort of, he's like, he's sort of the collection of all of the, the Lupin characters that we've seen before. You know, he's 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 doing the, the chivalrous sort of thing, he's doing the, the, like, you know, master thief sort of thing, like, he's playing all these different roles... And also, like, sort of a genius, which I'm not sure was, like, uh, an older M.O. of his. I think, like, it's really interesting because, like, it feels like Lupin's not so much a genius as, like, he just has, like, amazing perception skills. Right, like, I I was gonna say that while he seems like a genius, it's more like he's just really good at perception. And he's really good at, like, connecting dots, like... Because it's still all within sort of his wheelhouse, except for maybe like knowing all these different languages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it still it still feels like he's sort of like heisting his way into these solutions. Like when he solves the Dream of Italy book puzzle, mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, I can tell all these things are fakes because like I'm used to this sort of thing. I'm a thief, you know." Yeah. Right. And it it pretty much like you know makes it understandable why he's able to constantly go by the seat of his pants and go with, you know, minimal, like, real blowback, you know? Like, things just kind of work out, and it kind of, it makes sense when you think about it, like, oh, he's just, you know, he's always on his, he's always thinking on his feet. He always has an out. Like, he may, he might not have the, the, the the long foresight to (laughs) see that he's going to get into this mess, but he, he knows, he sees the quick exit out. Right. And so, like, that's the the battle of wits between him and Da Vinci ends up working out because it's not exactly like, oh, well, he's like the 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 equivalent. It's it's very much sort of the the same thing as um as like Nix's thing with Lupin, where it's like here's someone who's like calculating and very smart and stuff, and here's sort of like the the wild card who shows up and is able to like thwart them despite not having all of this, you know, all of these abilities. Yeah. So I think it's it's a cool like display of Lupin like as a character with all these different facets to him. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And then like with Jigen, like I feel like we do get to see multiple sides of Jigen, which is nice. Like usually it's sort of like, you know, cold, hard badass. He's really good with a gun. But he's like, yeah. oh, I'm scared of ghosts, even though I don't believe in them. You know, <laughs> right. I don't I don't fuck with I'm the supernatural. Scared of ghosts. I got this achy tooth. I- uh God, I love pizza. And I'm like, oh, I have bad dental hygiene. Yeah. 
And he's like, and him just going like, I don't give a shit about this dog. I don't care anything. I just want to eat some fucking sushi. Like, right. <laughs> Jigen's kind of a goof, but not like Lupin is. Jigen's a goof. Like by accident. He's not trying to yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> right, totally. And like, uh, Goemon has like, is like incredibly stoic, but he's also like, part of his stoicism makes him actually incredibly, um, what's stubborn. And like, mm-hmm. just like, not wanting to give up, not wanting to apologize. Just, like, kind of being an asshole and never, like, really admitting, like, <laughs> oh, well, I don't really know how to drive. I probably should have learned at one point. <laughs> right, but that's yeah. but that's not very Bushido, so. Right. No. But pinky promises are how we swear in Japan. <laughs> right. And, like, um, with, um, with Jigen, it's, like, also, he's, like, I don't really want to fuck with this this whole town business, but it's, like, when he has to get back his gun and push comes to shove, he's like, well, you know, I'm going to help these people, too. I'm not, like, a horrible human being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get a little bit of Jigen sort of, like, you know, doing his, his previous job, and we see the way he's made relationships with others, because he always comes off as the most, like, separated emotionally, but, you, you know- You mean Goemon? That, that's not what I said? You said Jigen. Oh, I meant Goemon. You're right. But yeah, so, like, Goemon is like, oh, he has this relationship with Belladonna, who is, like, it's not, like, a lover thing, but it's, like, you know, right. someone that he was taking care of before, and so he has this, yeah. like, familial very, sort like, of thing with- He's a very, like, big brother sort yeah. of relationship Basically. with her. It's, it's good. Yeah. And we get to see him do cool badass things, even though he doesn't show up much. Right. He just cuts through all the bullets. All Nobody can shoot him. And a car. The bullets and the bullshit. He cuts through it all. Uh... I I shoot you with my gun. Uh, no, I cut your bullet with my sword. He's like a shitty kid playing role playing. I hated playing with that kid. Uh. I think one good thing about um, Fujiko is that like Fujiko has always been sort of like the fan service character, right? Um, yeah. But in this one, like when we have an episode specifically about dealing with her as the fan service character. Like, we have a situation in which, um, you know, like, she really proves herself as an equal in the team. Because, mm-hmm. like, oh, I have to outsmart Akechi, and, you know, she figures out how to do it by sort of, like, faking capture as Zenigata. Right. Like, sort of doing the reversal on him. Yeah. Right. I, I think, like, Fujiko, like, proves to be, like, a a real trickster, which is, like, basically what she always is like like you talk about lupon being the wild card like she's just like hey i don't know who i'm working for right now i'm probably just working for me though it's like crazy yeah she's always been very like talented and very good thief but like seeing her you know perform heists without having to use her feminine wiles for once is actually kind of refreshing And the mm-hmm. way that, like, specifically Akechi, like, shows up to sort of be, like, a character's like, oh, Fujiko's just there for fan service, and, like, actively, <laughs> and she actively, like, goes yeah. against that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, also just seeing her on, like, her least guarded when it's like, oh, I have to deal with this woman on this cruise who <laughs> really loves her dog. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty good characterization, too. I enjoyed Like, more that. and more you just see how uncomfortable and off-guard she is with this person who just loves the dog too much 
Yeah, like like for a while you're kind of like, okay, yeah, they're getting along, and then like she drops her card, and you're like, okay, yeah, she can't stand her either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it seems like, oh, you know, she's doing this for the reward or whatever, but then it's like, oh, the reward is not worth this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then when she's like, I'm gonna sue you, you didn't bring me my dog. <laughs> right? And it's like, no, don't worry about it, it'll be here. Because, like, it still shows that, God, like, even so though much. she is yeah. sort of, like, she has this, like, weird relationship with Lupin, it's, like, still trustworthy, you know? They, and, like, we get all these, like, kind of flirty moments between them, like, even though Lupin's technically married, it's like, you know that this is still, like, the original <laughs> couple. Right, the OTP, yeah. if you would. Right, you down with OTP? <laughs> yeah, you um, know me. But like she, like it's kind of clear you. that she does. She almost is like a little bit jealous of Rebecca at times. Right, like especially at the beginning, where it's like, I can't believe I got invited to this wedding where it's not me and it's Rebecca. <laughs> well, like one thing I really kind of appreciate, I guess, um, if for the dynamic, like they obviously have like the love triangle thing going on. But it feels kind of like, for the most part, the three of them are on equal footing. And they all kind of, like, um, you know, want to be closer, or like, the two of the two girls want to be closer to Lupin. He kind of wants to be closer to both of them. They're, they all, they do weird shit. Like, but they also still want to be at arm's length of each other. Like, the three of them still, ultimately, at the end of the day, want their independence. Right, like, don't mm-hmm. really trust each other enough for a relationship. Like, it's, it's not just, it's not just Lupin pushing them away and being like, I'm gonna use you. Um, they use him back. Like, it's, it's the three of them using each other, you know? Right. And then we have, um, Zenigata, who, Zenigata, uh, f- will travel the earth to capture Lupin. Yeah. Right. I love Zenigata. And, like, we get a great moment with him with the, 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 what is it, the end of Lupin the Third or whatever the episode's called. Yeah, like, episode 13. Right, he has to come to terms with the fact that, like, uh, shit, well... Now what? What, what now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, it's, it's a really great, like, thing about their relationship where it's, like, it, it's, um, <laughs> it, it made me think of the opening of, um, Deadly Premonition. Where uh, Francis York Morgan's talking about how Tom and Jerry have a codependent relationship, where (laughs) in order for Tom to feel useful, like, there has to be the mouse, and Jerry has to constantly thwart him, you know, in order to to make sure that they keep up this whole camaraderie thing. It feels the same way, where it's like, Zenigata always needs Lupin, because as soon as he's out of Lupin, he's already caught the best, like, nothing's gonna feel as good, so... They need the eternal chase, the cat and mouse chase, where yeah. Lupin continues to thwart him, but he continues to feel that rush of excitement with, like, is this the time I'm going to catch him, and then is he going to get away? Right, yeah. Like, uh, Zenigata, just, like, through the whole thing, that's really good, and sort of, like, the way that he continues to be chivalrous, like the episode with um, Elena, even though Elena's, like, you know, tricking all these different people so that she gets this treasure for herself. Because she's kind of selfish and bitter about her, you know, her late husband. And he's like, you know, I, I'm just here to protect a woman kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I, it's the right thing. To, it's the right thing to do because, you know, you're, you're protecting the innocent. That's what a cop just does. Just doing my thing. job, man. Right. And so, like, he, he comes across as, like, really genuine. And when it comes to his job, but, like, he still just can't be without Lupin. Yeah. It's his calling. 
It's his purpose in life. But like, um, if 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 we're ready to move on, like it's kind of ties well into one of my big things that I kind of got watching the whole thing. Yeah, go ahead and start it off then. And I started thinking about this earlier on with like Rebecca, because like her whole thing is she's like, oh yeah, no, she, you know, she's like a thrill seeker. It's really. She doesn't care about the money. She doesn't care really about anything. It's just kind of... It's fun. It's something to do. It, it gives... It gives. It's just... It's her purpose. And, like, they kind of... Right. Uh, she's great at everything, and so she's bored by everything. So yeah. she finds this thing that she doesn't know about, and that she is surrounded by people way better than her. And so she now has, like, this mission. Well, and then it's just... There's also the whole thing, too, when, like, she's having the, the, the discussion with Wataru about, like, uh, libertas or whatever. Um, I don't know Italian. I'm sorry. But, like, freedom. And, like, basically him telling her, like, you gotta live your life free. You gotta do what makes you happy. You gotta go out and do shit. Um, and this is kind of her living that life. Like, she's found it, you know? Yeah, totally. And I, like, I started seeing more of that in, like, all, like, all the other characters in some way seem to kind of like, the money is nice, and, you know, whatever, and, and they have their individual purposes, their individual specific goals, but they, they all find it fun, or at least exhilarating. And it kind of keeps them motivated. Like, not just um, the thieves, but also Zenigata, like, like we were talking, like we were just talking about, like, it's kind of the whole thrill of the chase, like, it's you gotta, you know, it, 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 once he's caught it, it's like, now what, like, there's no purpose. Um, it's it's what keeps him going. It's his purpose. Uh, then you have Lupin and like, and we see that like specifically with the Rebecca episode where she's trying to capture Lupin. Like a lot of times, it's not about the money. It's you know, it's like he's doing it for love. You know, whatever his definition of love is, I suppose. Um, but it's also just like there's like the time where he has the Cleopatra diamond and he's like uh, I don't even know if this is real who cares and he throws it in the fucking water and that's it <laughs> this seems to cause a lot of trouble and it's caused trouble throughout history wouldn't yeah. it be better if plop yeah yeah and then like but like at the same time he's totally cool that he's like well I had fun um, <laughs> right. and then like the the the, the time where he's going for the banknote just to win a bet, and that's it. Like, <laughs> and over like the most like petty shit in the world. I was like, I don't want to clean. Well, I don't want to clean. We'll bet on it. Like, yeah, and then yeah, it, uh, d like what we were talking about earlier briefly. We mentioned like you know Da Vinci asks why he's constantly like going for treasure and stuff, and he's like, ah, because I'm Lupin. Uh, and like, you know, and then he asks Da Vinci, he's like, why do you paint? Why do you do all the shit you do? And he's like, because I'm Da Vinci. It's just, you do it because that's who you are. It's, it, it gives you purpose. You know, it's, it, it's just, it right, it's written into you. you. Yeah. And then like Fujiko, she clearly has tons of fucking fun, you know, like she, she, she loves leading Lupin on much in the same way that Lupin loves leading her on, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, and then, like the conversation that she has with um, uh, Rob, where where she's like, you know, talking about Rebecca 
falling in love with Lupin, and she's like, you know, once she falls in love, or once, if he, if she succeeds and he falls in love with her, you know, she does, she, she, she doesn't really win because she doesn't get the Lupin that she fell in love with. It's a different Lupin. Um, like the chase, right. the chase is over. It's a, you know, different, it's, it's a similar kind of chase and just like, Totally. Yeah, very much like all these different characters. I mean, like even like Jigen and Goemon, and and even the Butler a little bit. There's like a little moment where like the Butler's like after uh, what is it? Um, after I think it's after the the uh, the the when they were going through the banks. Like at the end of it, he's just having a he's having a beer with, with Rebecca, and he's just like, and like she's like giving him a hard. They're sharing time. a beer in a car. What the fuck? Yeah, well, like, and, like, she's giving him a hard time because he's enjoying the beer more than the wine, and she's giving him shit for that. (laughs) And, like, you know, the the And, like, very- And very clearly, he, like, still cares about her and is, like, willing to protect her because he, like, shot a bazooka at these cops (laughs) to protect them. Like, he's still doing all this surveillance stuff because he, you know, wants to take care of her. Yeah, like, he made a promise to her parents that, like, he would never let anything happen to her, and he's standing by that steadfastly. But it's just, like, he's such a stoic character, and then, like, he kind of breaks, and he's kind of like, you know what, you're right, this is actually kind of fun. Like, I, I'm, it, it stresses me the fuck out way more than it does you, clearly, but uh, it's kind of fun. And then he shoots at her in a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the movie, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know, all these different characters, like, at the end of the day, like, they're in it for the money, and, and or they're in it for, you know catching Lupin or whatever but like it's it's also just it's just who they are it's what they do it gives them meaning it gives them life that's really just all it is like I, that's like like it was like the big thing I really took away from watching it and I thought <laughs> sure. I felt like they did a pretty good job theming that like, in there I think that that is like a really good uh summation of the show is that they're all doing this because they love it and like it sort of like shows in the show. I feel like, yeah. right, like I feel like that's even maybe one of the biggest revival parts is like just showing how much everyone loves doing what they do as characters. It's, it's almost like watching it as viewers. It's it's almost kind of like it's an infectious cheer that kind of brings you in, and you're having fun with them having fun doing their insane shit. They're bringing you in on it almost. You know? Yeah, totally. I don't know. Not not to get too like like waxing poetic on this shit, but <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's my like inner literature major coming out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But yeah, there's it's just it, there's I mean there's a lot to to be taken from it, even as like sort of like a a fun like pop show, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is the way it does, like, um, a tour of Italy, right? Like, we get to see a lot of Italian landscape, even though it's, like, kind of just focused on San Marino. We get, we, we are, like, inundated with the culture of it by the way they interact with it. And, you know, like, the first, you know, the first main, you know, the first main episode outside of the introduction is about soccer, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. we are, we are thrown straight into sort of, like, the way that them being in Italy is going to be different from them being in Japan or being in like, you Lupin know, eats a pizza pie. Yeah, he eats a lot of pizza. They talk about how great the spaghetti is. 
And, and like, to go back to a point you made at the beginning, it's very much like a Bond movie in the fact that the set pieces are, like, a critical part. Like, you know, oh, this movie's taking place in, you know, oh, they're pl- it's, it's in the East Isles this time around, or wherever. And, like, it's very much like they gotta have that scenery in there. They gotta bring you there. You gotta see these establishing shots. It's the same, very similar, like, where the, 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 the setting is almost another character. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's San Marino. Of course there's gonna be this huge wine culture, so they're gonna go to this wine tasting, you know? There's... You know, and then it's it's like, oh, well, we're going to take some time off and we're going to go see the Mona Lisa because, you know, it's an Italian artist in a French museum kind of thing. Like, everything ties back to this Italian culture in a way. Like, you know, the the car they drive, the the music they listen yeah. to, like with the... Um, it's, it's all so inundated in the series that, like, it almost becomes a character in and of itself because, like, all these different elements from it are being brought in. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's it's. I think that they just do setting really well because like everything looks really great and everything is distinctly like, you know, kind of European, sort of like you know a little more Western in culture with the way everything's built. It's it's very cool. Yeah, you definitely feel like you're in that place. You start to taco with your hands when watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think that like the the way that they've put the the thing together and like it feels like. Even though I don't recognize them because I live in America, like I bet a lot of those places are really familiar to uh, the people from Italy, like the square that they show up in so many times. But that's a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. They talk about it a little bit where it's like Liberty Square or whatever. That's why we're uh, recording in Italy right now. <laughs> right. So we can take part in the culture. And like, you know, they, 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 t- they do the Last Supper thing. They go to this, you know, they go to this, this church to reenact it like. There is definitely just a lot of that culture inundated within the series. And then they, like, have the whole thing, too, where they have the riddle um, when they're trying to figure out where um, the Dream of Italy is. And it's, like, where the fourth tower is. And, and they, like, talk about, like, the towers oh, and all right. that shit. <laughs> yeah, and they talk about, oh, like, you know, there are these things built in Italian, you know, in, in a Italian history that was for this particular purpose. So if you look at the one where it should be next, yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, like, based on something real or, like, you know, like, those towers or whatever, but it was still, like, they would do I'm stuff sure like that. I'm sure they're real. Yeah. I'm just kind of disappointed that um, Lupin never, like, stole the Pope's hat or something. <laughs> he goes to the Vatican. I bet, you know what? I bet that Italy was like, we can't do that. Like, if it was brought up, I bet it was like, yeah, we can't do that. We need this to be on TV. Lupin steals Catholicism. Oh, no. <laughs> Incredible. He's like uh, Bill Maher. This is the new rules. He steals the original pizza. <laughs> it's like <laughs> San Diego. Lupin goes in when like the Pope dies and like puts in the white okay, smoke. Okay, who would win in a fight though? Lupin the Third or Carmen Sandiego? Well, Carmen Sandiego can time travel. That might be an unfair advantage. I know, but she gets stopped a lot. Yeah, that's true. She does get arrested constantly. Is it just them or is it like their crew as well? Um... Like, is Jigen there? Because then Lupin all, uh, immediately wins. Yeah. Right, he just shoots Carmen Sandiego. Right, with a gun. But, I mean, Carmen Sandiego has so many members to her crew, though. I guess so. Yeah, but they're all super incompetent. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Carmen Sandiego's, like, the only competent, like, member. 
Everyone else just gets arrest- arrested at the end okay, of the game show. Okay, but who could make the bigger heist? I think Carmen San Diego hands down. Carmen San Diego could make the bigger. I mean, she's stolen like the Leaning Tower of Pisa and stuff. So right, she's got more manpower, I guess. Yeah, uh, Lupin would still be the coolest one to do it, though. Like, let's, yeah. right. I love the way that like the the thing that makes um like ties everything together is that they bring this like. Italian Renaissance man back to life. <laughs> and he's like mm-hmm. basically just too good for this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like too powerful and too pure. So, have, so he's like dying rapidly. Uh, it's just, it, it's a great way to tie everything together. And I think it's like really charming because like uh, Lupin has kind of had fantastical elements, but this is like the most in a way that's very charming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get that it's maybe a little much, but I think that what it's doing I works really well. I think it's the exact perfect amount of much. <laughs> uh, part five, uh, like, they're, g- they're gonna have some kind of weird time thing where he's, like, heisting against his, uh, his like, grandfather. Part six <laughs> is gonna be in space. <laughs> oh my god, it's the Jason X of Lupin. <laughs> he has to kill Jason X. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, now that's a movie I'd watch. <laughs> Alright, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we get into questions and wrap this up? Um, just one little, like, one brief thing for me that I thought was, was kind of interesting. You know how, like, always, like, Lupin's always just been kind of, like, depicted kind of monkey-ish and kind of compared to one? In like earlier series, I feel like yeah, because he's got like the bi- he's got the big round ears compared to everyone else. Yeah, yeah he's definitely got like the facial structure for it. I feel like they highlighted it in this one. Like this mouth looks more like a cartoon monkey, you know. And <laughs> like they they even like call him that a couple of times. I know they call him an ape in one episode uh, or two, uh, but like for me, like one thing like I remember when they first started talking about Nix's powers. Um, Lupin compared him to a rat and was like, oh yeah, you speed up your heart like a rat. Um, and I was like, oh man, yeah, they kind of went with, like, rat-like ears for right. him, too. Right, or like, when he, like, actually stops his heart. <laughs> yeah, and, like, we're like, that's the whole reason he moves super fast, he's like a rat, because their hearts beat, like, way fucking faster than humans, and basically everything looks like it's in slow motion to them. Like, his perception is so fast that the entire world looks like it's slowed. The thing I was wondering was, does that mean he dies? Like, does that mean he aged really fastly? Really quick? That might be speeding <laughs> up his lifespan. Worst, that was the worst sentence I could have said. That was, wow, does he age? But yeah, I, I get it. Like, yeah, I think, I think <laughs> part of that is making him die faster. But like, and he also has like the super sense does hearing. He like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Die fastly. But yeah, no, like, I, I get it. And like, yeah, there's definitely like that that animal thing there. And the animals come up later too because of the lovesick pig, which, can we can we talk about the logo on the lovesick pig? Because oh this is really God. gross. That was a thirsty <laughs> logo. That was a thirsty logo. Someone was extremely horny making that pig. Well, they they had some wine and they fell in love with it. It was, it was <laughs> the kind of... It was the kind of thirst that wine could not quench. <laughs> oh my god. I got my dick stuck in the bottle again. <laughs> not again. Uh, cool. But yeah, like, well, and, but just like the rat, 
like rats and monkeys both being like stereotyped as like sneaky animals, especially in Japanese culture. I feel like, you know, like the monk, you know, monkeys have more of a sneaky connotation in Japan than they do in the US, but like still, you know, right. Like the sleight of hand and everything, you know? And Jigen's got huge balls like a Tanuki. (laughs) (laughs) He's got like pointed ears. They really play that up in some, um, in some series where he's got like really pointed ears and pointed details. I don't know if that's supposed to imply something, but, but, um, uh, one thing as well as I was looking this, I was looking this up specifically because you brought it up is like, we have a situation where it's like, there might have been like something attached to the um the the Chinese zodiac the way it's like it's a it's a monkey and a rat but I don't see any like clear ties and sort of like yeah. relationships between the two. I was trying I was trying to look into that too because I was wondering if there was some sort of subtext there, but no, well, I guess not. But yeah, so it's it 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 is neat that sort of like the two I guess like major rivals of this one because Nyx is such like a counterpoint to uh, Lupin and shows up more is definitely like interesting that they both have like animalistic features and you see like you know the rat's supposed to be like cunning it's supposed to be able to like learn really well while the monkey is more of a trickster someone who's you know a lot harder to predict throws his poop and then yeah, throws his poop. yeah. and then and then the rat as like you know uh, i guess with with a pun being intended being a subterranean creature as a member of mi6 you know <laughs> right So we got a couple questions and like opinions and stuff that we can talk about real quick from our fans. And the first one comes in from Onlaren and uh, just is very easy. Uh, which series has the best jacket color? And I'm going to assume that this is what is the most complimentary color for Lupin. I really like uh, Lupin with his red jacket. Yeah. Okay. Red red always feels like the most iconic Lupin color, but but blue works pretty well, too. But yeah, I think the blue is good. Yeah. And what's kind of cool is that there's kind of like a... a he has a, a blue shirt and a red jacket in part two, and with this one, it's, you know, red tie, blue jacket, kind of like... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like... Yeah, red is definitely, I feel like, the most classic, like the one you're going to recognize the most, but the blue one looks really good. I don't dislike the green one. The yellow tie is maybe a little, mm, but you know, you can't always be fashion forward. Yeah. Right. And then the last one was the pink jacket, which I feel like I just never really see. Yeah, like, not a ton that? of people yeah. talking about pink jacket, Lupin. It's true. Right. And, like, since the blue one is just the one that I've watched most recently, he's like, yeah, he looks great in blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the the red one is also just, like, a really good color scheme. Yeah. Like, red with, like, a yellow tie or a pink tie sometimes. Well, just just good. in general where he's just wearing, like, like especially, because I guess both with the red and with the blue, like, he ends up wearing, like, white, like, like chinos that work, that, it's a good combination. Yeah, look, Lupin knows how to dress. Yeah. He probably got some tips from Rebecca, who's, like, through the whole thing, got all these different outfits. It's, like, kind of cool how, like, Rebecca is in every episode with a different outfit that's, like, trendy. <laughs> She's so extra. It's great. <laughs> then we have, um, we have a question from a friend of the show, QB. says, um, I've never really been a fan of Lupin in general, but specific directors' takes on Lupin are some of my favorite things ever animated. 
such as um, A Woman Called Fujiko Mine by Saya Yamamoto or Castle of Cagliostro by Hayao Miyazaki. Is there a standout aspect that this installment brings to Lupin's checkered history that makes it worth checking out? And I think we've sort of talked about this already, where it's sort of like, this is sort of all of the Lupins. Like, you know, this yeah. this is a bit <laughs> of every Lupin. This is something that, like... Like, this has some of the whimsical elements that I think, like, Castle of Cagliostro, like, uses. Right, and definitely, like, the, the more chivalrous parts of him, where he's, like, really mm-hmm. taking... He's trying to take care of people, you know, even if it means that he loses his, uh, his mark. Yeah. Also, I don't know if Lupin's had, like, an especially checkered past. I feel <laughs> like it's mostly positive. Yeah, but, I like, agree. Like, the de- the one downside is, like, I don't know, that Sega Saturn game's pretty bad. But I think, like, the idea here is, like, the way that some people direct Lupin or see Lupin is, like, you know, whether or not, like, they, they play up sort very of, like... different. I mean, yeah, they're very right. different, yeah. so, like... You know, maybe you don't you don't go with like badass asshole kind of thing yeah. that you know mm-hmm. kind of. I, I think that definitely permeates a lot of early Lupin. This one is definitely yeah. a lot more in line with say like Hayao Miyazaki's. It's it's a very yeah. It, it takes kind of a you know he's still you know he still has parts of his character that are kind of you know uh, like yeah, at least you know he you know he still definitely has the womanizing and things like that, but. Over other than that, he's he's a, a lot softer of a character than he has been in previous installments. I feel like um, they 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 you know they, they flesh him out and they give him a lot of nuance. I feel like um, like even in his womanizing, it's kind of like at the very least, like I said, he's kind of playing on equal ground uh, as the women that you know that he's you know. <laughs> Spending his time with, like, it's it's a give and take between them all. Right. Um, yeah, totally. I think this does the best job of, like, really making the whole cast feel, like, worthwhile and feel alive. And mm. it's just, like, I, again, the, the, the anime-only characters, like, only help to accentuate these characters and how, like, cool they are. Yeah. It's, like, a really great sort of, like, it, it is something for everyone, kind of. Yeah. And especially if you like some of the more, like, pop stuff, like, especially Castle of Cagliostro, where it's sort of, like, he's more of a gentleman thief kind of thing. He's not really, you know, thinking about the, the heist all the time. This yeah. is definitely a series to to look out for, because, yeah, it's just, it's got a lot of that, and, like, it even shows, like, some genuine, like, emotion from Lupin, where it's, like, you know, he really cares about Rebecca, maybe not as a lover, but, like, as someone that, you know, he's helping to take care of, and he's helping to kind of, like, train, almost. Yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. a really good point. Like, it, it does bring out more of, like, the gentleman thief side. And that is probably, personally, where I feel like he's strong, or, like, where he shines the brightest as a character. Right. Yeah, because he gets to be cool and also, like, a good person. <laughs> like, he feels he feels like a protagonist, even if he is, like, you know, technically, like, a thief. You get, yeah, you get that honor among thieves dynamic at times That's that's pretty you know, entertaining and charming. I don't know. Yeah, it's good shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, then we have another one from The Toughest Bean, who says that, uh, uh, says, I find the introduction of real-life historical figures to kill my interest in most series, and unfortunately, this one was no exception. I did enjoy what I did watch, though. And, I mean, like, I think in some part, it's because of sort of, like, the Italian ties, or it's like, oh, we have to figure out how to really, like, tie it to someone famous. But mm. I think that also it does it well by, like, 
I think the thing, the ways that Da Vinci interacts with the cast are really interesting because it starts out with sort of like what they think is like a forgery, and it turns out that it's like a, a real deal, other Mona right. Lisa. And then sort of it like it's it's all about sort of like testing all of them on how good they really are. Right. But I I don't know, like I feel like a lot of times when anime brings in like a historical figure, it's like, now it's a sexy babe. And this is just Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci, but he's evil. So right. it's it's Leonardo da Vinci, but like big and muscly. Yeah. Yes, and evil. Like, he is a man's man. I, I, I yes. love his, like, ridiculous beard where he has, like, no mustache. It's Like, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't, like, have, like, a, a suit of armor that has, like, the multiple arms, like, the the sketch. Yeah, the Peruvian uh, man. Yeah. 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 But, um, like, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you can kind of distance it a little bit by being, like, he's a, a, a clone. Um, you know, how accurate is he? How, how, how true of a forgery is he? You know? Um, right. Like, I, you can kind of make that argument, uh, like, be like, oh, it's not actually. But, like, I mean, I guess that's true. Like, it is kind of sometimes it can mess things up if you bring in, like, an honest to God real life character and now they're doing goofy shit. Sometimes it's fun and it's just funny and ridiculous. It depends on how you play right, it. Right. Like when, um, like. Barack Obama was in, um, Air Gear. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it really it really depends on how you play it. He shows up at this like future roller skating tournament race thing. <laughs> He's like, I'm Barack Obama and I approve. Or like um uh Legend of Koizumi, which is literally just about historical figures reenacting wars by playing Mahjong. <laughs> okay, that actually sounds kind of like there's, rad. there's there's like charmingly stupid, but I think that Lupin the Third hits this great blend of sort yeah, of like this is absurd. This is Da Vinci, but also, like, he is a credible threat, and, like, he has enough ties to, like, his history to make it seem like, oh, this, yeah, this just makes sense. This is, this is him. It's, it's, right. it's absurd, but you're still willing to take it seriously. Yeah, totally. And I really, I can't, like, I can't just easily, quickly justify that. It's kind of hard when I have to, like, sit down and be like, how do I justify that it's not so absurd that you can't even take it seriously? But I, I mean, I guess I just do. It just, it just feels right. Like it just fits that Lupin tone. Like if you were gonna make Lupin more serious, that's how you do it. Because like if you make it too serious, it's not Lupin. Right, and you pit him against someone who's very serious and also like is like an intellectual equal, and that's what they do here. Is like yeah. all the other ones are sort of like physical equals and stuff like that. Like this is definitely like a battle of wits yeah. more so than even like Nyx is. Where Nyx is almost like a battle of ideals. Yeah. I really appreciate when they do that, because that, to me, is, like, really what Lupin can be all about. It's, it's more just, yeah, like, the battle of wits. Trying to outwit each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then the last question comes in from uh, Vanderlyle, which, it's not, it's, it's kind of like, what's a good starting place for Lupin? Having not seen any of it, this person wants to know where a good place hmm. to jump in is. And 
I think maybe watch one of the movies first, then go into this, because, like... Yeah, you could do that. This starting with the wedding of Lupin the Third is a little bit confusing, I feel like, for, like, a brand new person. That's yeah, it doesn't true. really have the same impact where it's like, oh, you know, I've been with this this character for 50 years, and suddenly he's getting married? What? Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't need to do a ton of research, like... <laughs> but I feel like if you're interested in this anime... Like, you probably have enough cultural osmosis to actually maybe just be able to get into it. Right, yeah. Like, like it's something, yeah, You even even if you do prep with, like, a movie or maybe even a couple of random episodes from, you know, part two or part three or something, um, you don't need that much background. It's episodic enough. You get a sense of the characters after, like, maybe two episodes at most, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Like we were talking about earlier, the characters are very easily recognizable. You get a real sense for who they are before long. So you wouldn't need that much to jump into it. But yeah, it's probably not a bad idea to kind of get a sense of the tone before so you can really kind of see what what they're building on. Yeah, because like like a Castle of Cagliostro, a Mystery of Mamo, you know, one of the ones that's bigger is like always going to be like a hit, I feel. Yeah. And, like, the the only thing that's sort of, like, maybe a little weird is if you try to get into one of the newer things, like A Woman Called Fujiko Mine or Daisuke Jigen's Gravestone, where, like, the tone is uh, distinctly different from what other TV Lupin's trying to do. And it's also, like, sort of a, a retelling or, a, you know, like, a, a an alternate history version of Lupin, where it's, like, they're all meeting for the first time again, so their dynamic isn't there. You probably want something more like, you know some random episodes from before or a movie or something to like get familiar with the cast as these directors are pulling from. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mhm. But like I don't think this is a particularly bad place to start either. Like this was my first real like exploration of Lupin and I felt like I kind of knew enough generally about each character, like even from the intro the like in a minute and a half like the little clips they give of each of the characters like gives you like a very rough idea of like okay this is what to expect from this character you know uh fujiko's the femme fatale goemon's a samurai uh, jigen knows right. how to shoot a gun and lupon is the hero <laughs> and l-a-d-y nami's not shy right <laughs> but yeah so totally it's like it's 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 one of those things this is good um like i think you could really jump in almost anywhere and feel like you aren't missing anything so i like this one's a good spot maybe watch like one of the classic movies i know for a while they were doing showings of castle of cagliostro in theaters yeah. um, around the country so maybe if that hasn't gone through your town go check that out i couldn't because it was like a three-hour drive to the nearest theater that was doing it oh man lupon is definitely like a franchise where like you don't miss out by not knowing the earlier material. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of just like, it's not that sort of show. It's a show where you jump in anywhere. It's like, oh, look at these guys doing a cool heist. Yeah. Like, you already kind of get their motivations and stuff just from the way that they talk to each other and the way they interact. Or you could play Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think that that gets the story across the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. You play Cliffhanger. Um, you don't pay attention to the fact that they refer to Lupin as Cliff or uh, Goemon as Samurai. And and Lupin is a character who has like a billion shirts that he instantly replaces. Like that's that's a very important yeah. point. <laughs> so yeah, you uh, don't you could 
really, you can feel free to jump in anywhere uh, in terms of the anime, and you could probably get inundated with it. Like, you know, it's not it's not a hard series to get into. It does seem intimidating, but it's not like shoot i don't know like naruto where you have to start from the beginning right oh yeah no you can it's it's a series you can really kind of enjoy at your leisure for the most part this is a series this specific series i think is good to watch throughout like you you should probably watch the whole thing but most previous series you can really just pick and choose episodes and you'll be fine yeah like if you don't if you like a more structured format and you're not so into the episodic stuff, this is the place to start, I think. Or one of the movies. Yeah. Like, this really is not a bad place to start at all. Yeah, no. Phew! And that, my friends, is Lupin the Third. Uh, lost to, lost to say about it, because I, so, I just absolutely love... Final thoughts? Uh, skip it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love this series. Um, like it, it's just like a great blend of sort of episodic and plot-based stuff. The characters are lovable. The 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 things they do are fun. Like almost all of the episodes hit. I feel like there's a lot of good like emotional core to some of them, and like goofy fun antics. Like you know the <laughs> the weird like death game show is fun and stuff like that. Like yeah, there's there's something to take out of it. Like. For all sorts of fans. Yeah. Right. It really is perfect. Look, we found it. We found the perfect show. Just like last time with Paranoia Agent. <laughs> so run, don't walk to <laughs> your theater if they're showing Castle of Cagliostro. Right. So you can get caught up. And like, you can catch this right now on um, Adult Swim. They're airing the dub. You can catch it on Crunchyroll, subbed. You can catch it on Funimation, dubbed. There's a lot of places that you can watch it right now, and eventually it'll be out on home release, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. But yeah, this was a this was a fun little walk through uh, a series that's a little less narrative focused than some of the other ones we've done before. So it's it's cool little thing to to be able to talk about, especially since it's like it's a series that comes with so much like baggage and expectations, and to be able to hit them so well. I feel like Lupin the Third Part 4 is really something special in that way. Right. I give it two thumbs up. Whoa! That's as many thumbs as you have. Yeah, that's the maximum number of thumbs. Lupin stole my thumbs. <laughs> no, Lupin! <laughs> what the- <laughs> I give it a, a Lupin the Three out of three. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. More like Lupin 100. But yeah, no, like, I'm not much of an anime guy, I, I'm, but like, I grew up a Lupin guy, and it was a really nice return to a series that I grew up with. So, I, I really, I really, uh, anybody who liked Lupin, you know, like, similarly, I definitely recommend going back to it. And I feel like it's very good for, even for just people who just want something to watch. Like... As somebody who's not really much of an anime fan, like, it, it, it was perfectly enjoyable for me. I think it's cool that after such a long break, they're, like, not only doing this one, but they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do a part five, too. Like, Lupin yeah, so is, rad. like, one of the few series I feel Lupin's like- Lupin's back, baby! That really, like, transcends time, where, again, it, it feels timeless. Like, 
sure, like, the, the, the only real thing that you go back and you see is, like, well, it's, it's very of the times. Like, it's a little bit maybe sexist, maybe a little more, like, intolerant. Yeah. And, like, this one kind of drops that, and it seems like moving forward, it can only get better in sort of, like, scrubbing out some of the, the yeah. like, seedier stuff from the original series. Okay, Charps Hobo, quick. What old anime do you want to see revived? Uh, well, they're already making Saint Seiya revived, so I don't, I, I don't need anything else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. But also remaking ones. Devil Man. So, like, what's the what's the point? We've got all the good things coming back. Yeah. Look, I'm waiting for Kaniku Man, the next next generation. <laughs> okay, you know what? Though, actually, thinking about it, I need. Like thinking about it now, I I need a a G Gundam too. I need that. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! It's really fucked up that they referred they they were called one of the Gundams like Reconquista in G, not a G Gundam sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want to see something that captures the same idea as G Gundam, but maybe like a little lower stakes, Watch Lupin the Third Part Four. No, I was gonna say um, Gundam Build Fighters because it is just like an ensemble cast from all over the world. And, like, the difference between oh, yeah. that and, like, G Gundam is that they're just Gunpla that they can make move like regular Gundam. Yeah, you were telling me about that at one point. It, it sounds kind of Yeah, fun. they play baseball in one of the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> See, in Gundam. So well. It's good. <laughs> Maybe I should check that out. And then they have, like, they have, like, one kid who's, like, African-American, and he comes and he's like, oh, I, I only build my Gunpla for performance, not for fun. And he's got, like, the most, like, try-hard Shogun Gundam, where it's got, like, four swords coming off of it, like... <laughs> I don't know, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, good, it's a good old time. Oh, we'll watch that on the next episode <laughs> of the Coco oh Disaster. God. So, where can they find you on the internet, Jay? Oh, uh, you can catch me at... Uh, the JS Spade LP on YouTube.com or the JS Spade on Twitter. Um, I'm gonna be starting a new LP soon with um, this uh, guy named uh, Chorps. You might have heard of I him. I hate that guy. Yeah, that guy's yeah, weird. Yeah, me too. Not really though. He's good. Yeah. And where can they find you on the internet, hobo? Um, I mean, I guess the main place I am is Twitter, which would be just at Hobotron2000. Like fucking, you can learn about sports there. Never killed. Yeah, and yeah, you can you can see really dumb tweets. It's really good. <laughs> I love <laughs> dumb tweets. I love sports. sports. And then like, what else do I tweet about? What the hell else do I tweet about? I know there's other things. Damn it. <laughs> uh, the only thing I see right now is Godzilla batting. <laughs> and then, but you can find me online at. At Chorpsway, C H O R P S A W A Y on Twitter. Um, Chorpsway S A on YouTube. Um, and you can find the podcast at, at Coco underscore disaster on Twitter. CocoDisaster.com online, where you can find the latest episode. You can find uh, all of our backlog. You can find links to the blog I run on the side, Vanilla Blessing, which is at vanilla blessing.tumblr.com. Uh, which go, uh, which I write with a uh, friend of the show, QB, over there. Um, and, yeah, uh, you can find us on all of your favorite podcasting services, iTunes, Google Play, um, uh, Stitcher, and we have an RSS feed, so you can put us into all of your favorite uh, podcast listening devices. 
If you'd like to leave us a review, it'd be much appreciated. I cry every day I don't get a review, so please. Oh, no. It'd make me feel better. But yeah, so um, that's going to be this episode of Coco Disaster. Join us next time as Jay comes back with uh, old friend of the show, future friend, to talk about uh, Ghost in the Shell 1995 versus 2017. Oh, I forgot we were doing that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You have to watch Ghost in the Shell 2017, buddy. Oh, get over oh, See, I got to watch a good anime. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been Chorpsoy. I've been Jay. And I'm always Hobotron. And this has been Coco Disaster. It's a living. <laughs> Dot com. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.